Welcome everyone to We Have Issues, our weekly comic book podcast that opens the vault, feels the boom, weathers the aftershock, and marvels at every issue released this week. I'm your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my stalwart psychic, who is always at my side, Josue. I've been saying this like for a few times now, but working there, I've been like meeting one of my heroes on a frequent basis, but now I got to meet two of my other heroes this uh, this weekend, and it was fucking awesome. I love books of pictures way too much. I was incredibly jealous of you. Like I, I was seeing the pictures and being like, "Boo!" Like I want to be there. Like, yeah, no. Uh, to the listeners, uh, books with pictures, uh, who I reference all the time. Um, they decided to have like a little bo- a books with pictures con, and they invited a bunch of local artists uh, to kind of go around the the sidewalk, and it was like a really cool thing to 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 have to hold since cons aren't a regular thing now. Or at least like they're not really safe, or at least like there's like a large gathering that is still isn't quite safe to go to, but it was actually a really cool gathering, a really good turnout. And because they're such good friends with Katie, um, David F. Walker, Brian, Michael Bendis, Kelly Sue DeConnick, uh, Steve Leiber, who is also a frequent, um, at books and pictures all got to go and all had like panels. Um, the, the first three had like a Q and a, and then a signing. And I got a thing signed from each of them. And it was, it was, it was really cool. Uh, getting a chance to meet them. Yeah, dude, that's that's great. Really jealous that you get that opportunity. <laughs> yeah, no, it was awesome. Like David comes in the store like a lot. Um, Wyatt was there, so I I, I got to have uh, Belar number four sign. So I just need number three sign. I have like the whole set, um, and he got to have like his little like one on one with uh well with everybody, but he got to have a, a special one on one with uh with Bendis, and they got some talking. So I'll talk to you about it after the show about them because that's actually that's, that's, that's actually really cool. Nice, awesome. All right, well, we're here to talk about comics, of course, and we always start with a bit of comic book news. I don't have a ton of news this week, um, but I do have a couple cool things. First of all, uh, Andy Serkis, who we all love, amazing director and you know actor, and yep. you know, especially motion cap- caption actor, um, he is has announced a new comic book series that's going to be coming from Scout Comics. Oh, okay. And it's called Eternus. Hmm. And it is his take on, um, I guess you could say Greek mythology, but there, there's definitely like a, it, it's obviously a twist to it. Uh, it's hard to describe really, yeah. but I think, I think it's going to be really cool. I think the art looks really great. Um, and I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I, I don't know. Like I, I, I'm really starting to get more and more into scout books. I find myself more and more think, finding them to be the really out there, really indie publisher, if you will. Yeah, you know, like they, they do different stuff, and I really dig that. So, uh, yeah, definitely check that out. That hasn't been announced. You can check it out. Just look for Eternus Andy Circus, and you should find whatever you need to find about it. So, um, <clears throat> next up, um, we do know that Demon Days is going to continue with Marvel, which we've really enjoyed, and uh, we have now some new character designs for the new run and i'm gonna shoot those over to Josue right now especially the my the one that jumps out at me of course is the iron man samurai design oh yeah because we've been oh. seeing like the the shot like them lined up but i've been curious this is some at some i still can't make out yeah but let me see here because there's really a couple cool. different designs there's a hayabusa um, the Iron Samurai design, because it's literally like concept art here. Oh, so cool. Yeah. You see how they break down a bunch of stuff. There's a new Mariko design. 
Oh, is the Iron Samurai War Machine? Okay. Yeah. I think it looks really cool. I'm really excited for this to come back. I had a lot of fun with that last run. Oh, and I've been so excited to see her spin on on Civil War, too. So this is going to be really, really cool. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So, awesome. Uh, Next up, we got some uh, more Marvel news. Uh, Apparently, the Spider-Verse is going to be coming to an end. Oh, yeah. With the new Spider-Man book, which launches in October and comes from Dan Slott and Mark Bagley. Um, And it's going to basically follow up the aftermath of the Edge of Spider-Verse, which is supposed to bring the end of Spider-Verse. Um, I hope that means that Spider-Gwen, or Ghost Spider, if you will, is in our universe and isn't just erased, because <laughs> that would really piss me off. Yeah. Um, but I think they will, because I think they realize she's incredibly popular. And, you know, just like they brought Miles in, I think they'll find a way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, another Spider-Man book coming. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I personally like Dan Slott. I know there's a lot of people that don't. For some reason, some people seem to act like he's the worst person, and I don't understand how this happened, but okay. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I, I get why you don't like him, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, But I don't think you're unfairly wrong, or unfairly mean to him. I think you just... Oh, yeah, yeah. With, with a decision, like so. Um, <clears throat> next up, uh, I have to talk about an unfortunate passing of Pat McCallum. Now, Josue... You are younger than me, so I have to ask, did you ever read Wizard magazine? Um, just in passing. It was in a it wasn't a magazine I, I'd actually like reach out to it. Just like unless like the cover was something like to my interest and I'd actually like dive into. Uh because yeah, it was right before my time to read like kind of like still get into the uh time uh Wizard magazine. Yeah, I figured you're maybe a little too young. Wizard magazine was very influential to a whole generation of mm-hmm. uh comic book fans, for better or for worse. Um, there was definitely some issues with Wizard, but we, um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. And, uh, it, it taught me so much about comics. Like actually, like a lot of my comics knowledge came from reading Wizard every month. Well, Pat McCallum is one of the co-founders of Wizard and also was a former DC editor. Um, so after, after they left, um, Wizard and that's kind of when Wizard honestly started going downhill is when Pat left, mm-hmm. um, he was assigned, hired as an executive editor for DC and was there until 2019 and was of the many things Pat McCallum gave to DC was one of the people that really pushed deceased. Um, uh, Tom King said that uh, when they were doing the Batman Catwoman uh, marriage angle, yeah, he was the one who insisted that Joelle Jones designed Catwoman's wedding dress. Oh. Uh, Joelle Jones. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I um, have one of the covers with like with her in the wedding dress. And it's like, oof, it, it was one of my favorites to, like uh, those times. Yeah, he, he just did a lot of things like that. Little touches that you don't see because we don't talk about editors enough. Mm-hmm. But uh, he did pass. And uh, it's unfortunate. I saw a lot of really great messages online, despite, again, the mixed reputation Wizard has. I don't think many people had anything negative to say about Pat, which is really cool. So. Yeah. And then next up, I put this one in the story or in the news just for Josue. Okay. Uh, Titan Comics have received the rights to Common Rider Zero One. Oh, ooh, oh, that that one's down on my list, but I, it, it's one I've been I've been excited to watch. Zero One looks super fucking sick. Um, it's uh like like it's like this, this sweet slick 
uh, black and yellow suit for uh, for the main character. But that is dope. And it's going to be written by Brandon Easton. Okay. And that's not even the story. The story is the artist. Because I'm sending you a link right now. They have poached Power Rangers artist Hendry Prasetya for it. And so you can get an idea of what it's going to look like already. There's some great concept art. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. So I knew I had to throw this in here for you because I knew you would want to. I appreciate it. And that looks so dope. Yep. So yeah, from Brandon Easton and and Hendry Prasetya. uh, It's coming from Titan Comics. So check that out. It will be a four-issue mini, it looks like, at least for now. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um. And then my final bit of news, even though it is comic related, this is more TV news, but I don't care because I want to talk about it. Um, Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio's Daredevil and Kingpin have been confirmed for Marvel's Echo. Yes, I saw that on my way to the movie, and that was quite delightful to see. Yes, there's also rumors that Jessica Jones is returning. Right. Because Daredevil is looking for a, quote, former ally, and they (laughs) don't make clear who it is. but. I mean, it's going to be Jessica or... but Yeah, but the Luke. fact that they're already focusing on to, to make this show like as like Echo and just Heroes for Hire, just like City Street level focus with having the Echo show, but actually including Charlie Cox or actually just including Daredevil in general. It's just fucking huge. Like the, the dynamic between these two is actually one of my favorites uh, in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. It's, I'm very excited about it, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've, I've been excited for Echo since it was announced, but now I'm even more so. Yeah, so. me too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's all I got for news, unless you had anything further. Um, I saw Thor, uh, Thor Love and Thunder and can't confirm it is delightful. Thank you for your basic... I've already been spoiled. I was oh, spoiled no. on Tuesday by somebody who went to a um, a preview... And just immediately went online and started putting, posting spoilers. Lame. And it wasn't even somebody I follow. I'm it sorry. Came up because I was like it part her. of the movie or do you think it's a post-credit scene part? It was It was a plot point. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. And it might be fake. They might just be full of shit. But okay. I don't think they are. I want to so, know later. I won't tell you yes or no, though. I've, I've already actually post, pushed most of the details out of my head. I can, I'm actually struggling to remember what it was. So that's Okay, not good. Though. Yeah, so. All right, but let's start talking about some comics as we are here to do. Yes. Uh, As always, we start not with a bang, but a boom, and we are going to start with some Boom Studios books. We got three this week. First up, one of our favorites, Once in Future, number 27, written by Karen Gillan, illustrated by Dan Mora, colored by Tamara Von Villain, and lettered by Ed Dukeshire. Um, Basically, we're dealing with the reappearance of uh, Excalibur. Yeah, to the universe, and of course, all the Arthur's want to pull Excalibur because that proves that they're the true Excalibur. And I, I, I'm really liking that story. Uh, Duncan, to, <laughs> first of all, Duncan tries to pull it out. Which, let's be honest, I would too. Let's just uh, rip that bandaid right out. Let's just like not wonder at all. <laughs> yeah, I would 100 percent do that. No oh fuck why. yeah! Why? Why wouldn't you? Why would you want at least want to know? <laughs> What if what if you pulled it out? That'd be exactly. Uh, but and also, I should point out that's the first time that that scene. If you are, if are you looking at that page right now? Yeah. Duncan is a daddy. 
Oh fuck Duncan yeah! Duncan is looking so good. Has been, but like <laughs> with now the with little the little man be- bun, and now the with beard. the beard and the full on ponytail, like hanging ponytail. Oh my god, fucking daddy! <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm all here for that shit. He's looking great. It's crazy how he's changed since the beginning of the series. Oh for, right. <laughs> but then we also get a very tragic story of Galahad. Oh man! And I I, I don't want to get into too much detail of that, but that was absolutely heartbreaking. It was really good. It was so good. And it definitely changes where we're going to go, you know. Mm-hmm. And we felt we see an unusual alliance is what we'll say uh, because of that. So I loved it. It was a really good issue. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And I love the whole Arthur's fighting. I love I love the way they get out of the fight. Like, it's all just I love how clever this book is. So what do you think? Um, no, I mean, I, I really enjoy this issue because, like, it is, like, all coming together. Like, there's, like, so many not so many battles. Like, we're not jumping all over the place, but there is a like, pretty heavy shit happening at all at the same time, but yeah, like the highlight is, well, at least for me, like was Galahad's story is like, like, why are you doing this? Like, well, that would just, if I do this, that would just actually mean I'm your son. Like we're all playing by these rules, right? By these fucking stories. Like, Oh, it was such a good part. And then, ah, uh, to just get that really fucking sweet ending, like, or the, the cliffhanger, just like you have, you, you, I mean, like these two have had their moments back and forth, but, never like this and it was right. really fucking good yeah yep it's so good so uh all right our next book is the return of one that we haven't seen in a while and i'm excited mm-hmm. to have it back is basilisk number yes. nine i had to get uh, both of them because the christian ward cover was just so good see i didn't even get access to that it was long gone i had to go oh. late in the day oh gotcha um so i didn't have a ton of choices i got a couple of surprises though we'll talk about it nice uh, written by Cullen Bunn, illustrated by Jonas Scharf, colored by Alex Gimeras, and lettered by Ed Dukeshire. We start to see the origin of the five. Yeah. And like how this is formed. And there's some real creepy aspects to it and stuff. And I really dug that. And um, basically, we're just recovering from the previous arc is what's happening. Literally recovering mm-hmm. in a hospital. Um, recovering from our injuries and such. And I think that's really cool. We also find out you're pretty... Um, a big revelation of exactly what happened to our hero's family and who was responsible. Yeah. And I, that drives a wedge obviously. And I, I just really liked it. I thought it was really well told and we're going into what feels like the final arc. I believe they did say it was the final arc. I think so. So I'm very curious to see how that plays into what happens eventually between everybody. But I, I, I really liked it. Um, I'm glad I'm back on the basilisk train. Because I did miss an issue or two, I had to go hunt them back. Right. So I'm glad I was able to grab this one. I think it was the last copy on the wall, actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. What do you think? Uh, no, it was a really good issue. I love it when uh, when a story can like take a beat and like just like like it's like everybody's in recovering here. But I, I love it when like, when a book can just take a beat, but at the same time, it drives the story forward by like the revelations or like or like we're just uh, the stuff that that's been planned here in this issue. And yeah, like coming back to like the farm and like getting that revelation on like when uh the, we heard the one on the cover I, I'm forgetting name, but when she sees the sister and like recalling what she had to do, and then when she turns around and starts crying, it's like fuck, like everything just like starts right. hitting home because like they're obviously where that's where they are. But it was really good. I, I'm really glad Basilisk is back too. Yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. So uh, next up. Our final boom book, Magic the Gathering number 16. Did you pick this up? I can't remember. No. Okay. Well, 
Ready for the reveal? Ooh, okay, okay. Planeswalker cover. Boom. <gasps> oh, Nickel Bolas. Yeah, oh, baby. Now I gotta get it. Now I gotta get it. Fuck. <laughs> Um, which is funny because he's not in this issue at all. Oh, okay. Written by Jed McKay, illustrated by Jacques Salomon, colored by Natalia Nesterenko, and lettered by Ed Dukeshire. Um, our little hero group, it's basically they're trying to figure out how they're going to do this. And what they what they decide to do is they need to, they need to basically capture Davriel Kane because he's on the other side, but they're like, he's selfish and he's full of shit and we could easily basically make him help us. And that's basically what the issue is, is them being like, you're self-serving, so help us. And he's like, fine. So he's going to help them against uh, against the bad guys. And it's really great. Um, they kind of come up with a plan. There's also a really great throwback to all the, the great Planeswalkers. There's a great page here of like Ooh. Sarah and Urza and all the big ones. Nice, yeah. So I thought that was really cool because that was my era of Planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. So. And there's also a reference to the Hidden Planeswalker with this chick, the Prism chick. Okay. And basically how um, his plan is to use her to amplify him. Tezzeret's going to use her to amplify his powers. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what's going to happen there. I'm really fascinated with her powers and how they would work in an actual magic card. Like, imagine a Planeswalker that powers up other Planeswalkers you have. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, you can sacrifice loyalty counters on her to add to the planeswalker one or another planeswalker even if they've already added this turn or something like that yeah like that'd be so cool so yeah an op as hell mm-hmm. she would make loth spider queen impossible to deal with which <laughs> is just ridiculous so but yeah good stuff um that means we're gonna move on to aftershock comics because that comes after the boom i got one book and it's there's something wrong with patrick todd uh, so this is a number one, mm-hmm. written by Ed Brisson, drawn by Gavin Gudry, uh, colored by Krista Halloran, and lettered by Hassan Atsmani al Um It starts with a bank heist. This guy's stealing from the bank. Oh, of course, Aftershock page. Ooh, that's a good little so, dirt color. Yeah. So it starts with this dude without a mask, just robbing a bank. Okay. Creepy as fuck. <laughs> Gr- yeah, creepy creepy as fuck. He's totally open about it. He takes the money out to this kid. And then turns, and then the kid tells him, "All right, turn yourself in, admit to your crimes." And he's like, "All right," and he goes and does it. This kid basically, you get the impression that he can mind control people. And what he's doing, he's he's finding criminals. In this case, this guy's like a a pervert, like a a child molester. Yeah. And he found him online in a in a chat window, and basically <laughs> hit, basically took us over his mind, made him rob the bank, and then admit to his crimes. We don't know the motivations yet. Mm-hmm. This kid's mom, we know, is in like a psychiatric hospital, and she's being taken care of, and that's why he needs the money. Yeah. But as far as why he's doing it and what what else is going on, where he came from, none of it is really like stated yet. So we're very curious to see what's going to happen. But we do see a bad guy who's calling himself Zeus oh. at the end, carrying a hand or a bag of heads. Oh shit. So really curious. Um, I'm, I, yeah, I want to see like what's going to happen there. So, um, but it's really cool. I like the art a lot, and I like the main character, and I like the idea of like using this horrible, awful criminal and making him, you know, confess that, but also getting some money out of it. I, 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 I admire the hustle, if you will. Get your so, bread. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But yeah, and then that brings us to our next publisher, which is Dark Horse Comics. Uh, we got three books there. I got Stranger Things Summer Special number one. Nice. For those who are Stranger Things fans, this is takes place during season three. And it's the two cops, Powell and Callahan. What did they do during season three? Because they did nothing to help. And <laughs> it's fantastic. It's written by Keith Champagne, art by Chow Philippe, colored by Dan Jackson, and letter by Nate Picos of Blambot. Basically, it's them encountering all the major plot points of season three, but not putting things together. Okay. And just missing everything. So it's really great. Like at one point they're they're one of them is kidnapped by the weird zombie people, but he gets away and he's like, Wow, that was a weird party. Can't believe that guy's a swinger and all this stuff. It's like what? <laughs> like, it's great. I, I love it. It's a great companion to Stranger Things, especially with the season four just ending. And uh I know we're gonna want some Stranger Things content until season five comes out. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Check it out. And my other Dark Horse book I won't talk too much about, which is Avatar Adapter Die number three. Script by Karina Bechko, art by Benny Lobel, color by Wes Zoba, and letter by Michael Heisler. Um, it is continuing the same story with this disease, uh, taking out the Navi children, making them sick. And Dr. Grace is looking for a cure, even though the impression is that the Navi would not be happy if she found one, even because they're like, they don't want their medicine, they think it's poison and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's just, again, just a blending, the, blending the cultures together, leading up to the next movie, so... Um, speaking of which, the movies, um, the second movie, um, James Cameron has said he doesn't care if we think it's too long, which is a very curious thing to say. (laughs) Also, he has stated that after movie three, he's probably going to step away from the franchise, even though there's at least four movies planned. Right. Okay. Somebody else, which is, I mean, he doesn't really do sequels anyways. So like, it was kind of curious. He was going to stay on for three movies total. So, um, yeah, but that's really cool. Or aren't, aren't um, his he, sequels better than the first, like T2 yes. and yeah. Yes, they are. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, he doesn't like to nail himself down to stuff like that oh, for yeah, a long, yeah. long period of time. So he's been doing this for like ever. ever. <laughs> like, so, uh, but yeah, that's my last Dark Horse book. Now, Josue, talk to me about The Ward number two. Yes, uh, The Ward, uh, written by Kevon Scott, uh, art by Andres Ponce, and letters by Mario Mantellam. Uh, so the one about the, uh, fantasy slash supernatural hospital that's secretly in the real world. In this case, we have a story A and a story B. Uh, so I guess I'll start with story A, uh, which is during, with our main, uh, our main character, Dr. Black. And she's down in the sewers with, um, two, two other, uh, staff members from the hospital. And they're he- helping these massive trolls, uh, to deliver a baby. Because that's thing that happens at a hospital, and with adding supernatural elements, sometimes they can't make it to the hospital, especially when it's uh, it has to be secret. So they're down in the sewers, and um, yeah, because like her folks don't know, um, she makes up uh, a lie. Like she she makes like basically like, it opens up with like, uh, her making excuse uh, that her mom is watching her her daughter, and that uh, she's at she's on a date. Um, and we'll come back to that in a second. So story B is back at the hospital, and it's like kind of revolving around like two kind of three uh kind of two main cases and um just see like what else what else happens around the 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 er like one like this homeless person gets caught in this like gelatin cube and if they don't figure out how to get this person out uh they could just start um being digested in this cube so it's mostly the cube in this one 
and then you get two um two emergencies uh, that uh, come in. One's a banshee, um, and the other one I forget, I forget what happened to him, but it's, it's a banshee that we're gonna that we're, that we're gonna focus on. Um, the gel they get the they, they get the gelatin gelatin cube uh, uh something, but it was allergic, so um, it started digesting the thing uh, the person faster. So they're they're focused on that one. Uh, but again, it's the banshee that they're focusing on because she is not looking too good. It's like she took something bad. Um, and the doctor that we're kind of focusing on here, um, Doctor Yeah Cervantes, um, he's just kind of like losing it. Uh, well, he's 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 really is trying to help, but um, he gives a banshee something and it's not really panning out. So he's gonna hit her up with the uh, with something else, and the banshee just starts shrieking, and she starts, and then she. Um, Basically, just going to into cardiac arrest or just, just an arrest, and um, that's when that's when they ask him like, "Wait, what did you give her?" And it's like, "Oh, uh, paralysis," and like on top of a uh, elect electrine electrine or just obviously something that they get uh, for the banshee, and it's like, "Oh shit!" Like mixing those things was bad, and then they kind of I like the when they throw in a little bit of the lore when it's like, uh, "Yeah, I didn't think," and, I, and like the noise will only worsen if the clan sends her imminent demise. The last thing we need is a keen of grieving banshees uh, heralding her death. So I can imagine like when crazy shit happens around, it's like, like they would just like come around and invade the hospital. And you can imagine how that would hear out in the real world. So I kind of want to do want to see how that happens. Um, but in the end, kind of like in the end, like uh, they lose her. She, she flatlines and like, they couldn't like, even they like, try to, uh, to get the God damn it. The defibrillator and it just what it just working and she just she fucking she just goes, um and he's just like obviously losing a patient takes a toll on him and he just kind of like leaves. So anyway, backstory A, um it's not going too well. Uh, obviously, it would be it pretty much impossible to de- try to deliver a baby from a troll, um especially when you have these fucking vloggers that are like trying to make like their own content. And they start creeping into the sewer, and they're about to find them out. Um, and they kind of do, but then, like, Daddy Troll, like, kind of scares them away. Um, and then, again, it's not going well. The fucking umbilical cord, of course, gets wrapped around the neck, so they have to give her a fucking C-section in the fucking sewers. <laughs> um, and then, again, like, so this is where we're cutting back and forth. And then, so we come to back at the hospital after the Banshee has been lost. Um... um they come in with the baby um, and it's like, it's like this giant baby on the stretcher with next to like the, the regular people. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, but it's still, it's not, uh, it's not conscious yet. And, and then uh, Dr. Said around this is like, comes in with like the, the dramatic finish for the episode and the defibrillator defil- the wasn't going to charge fast enough. So he saw, so he starts like beating on the, on the giant troll's chest. And gets a heart pumping, so like the, at least the baby was uh, was okay, but he still leaves like super kind of pissed off. That he still kind of couldn't do one thing right, especially that kind of move wasn't exactly professional. Um, so Doctor Black kind of follows him to like the locker room and kind of catches him popping some pills, and it's uh some troll stimulants, and he kind of like and he kind of pops back uh pops on her. <laughs> And yeah, so it's a little, there's a little bit of tension here between the doctors, obviously, because like he's kind of jealous that she's back, but like no one's giving a shit or just like quitting in the first place. And he's, I guess, I guess it's just that it's like kind of him like feeling like the pressure that he was holding it down. But now that she's back, he's all kind of struggling. But anyway, but then the last page is kind of like getting updates from like everywhere, like, like the good stuff and the bad stuff. Like they were able to save some patients and like the ones I did, they couldn't. 
the the vloggers are getting like their their mind erased. Um, but then again, like so, what I want to come back to the beginning is that she was telling um how she was telling her mom that that, that she was on a date, and now with the uh, her coworkers catching on, it's like, wait, you said that you're on a date, like uh, they're just kind of giving her shit for it. But then one of them was like, wait, you know what? A date might not be such a bad idea. Anpu's been giving you puppy dog eyes for weeks. Anpu from the morgue? Are you kidding me? The guy's pra- the guy practically invented uh, god complexes. And so when he gets to, like the end, and you see like the catching up with everybody, like the good and the bad, you see a shot of the morgue, and you see Inpu. And it is this really cute looking Doberman adding to like the fantasy um Aww. aspect and it's like okay that that's who's been giving her the puppy dog eyes like i fuck i'm really fucking loving the lore and like everything like the world building here in this book I, I feel like you would actually like this too it's just fantasy er that's pretty cool dude i dig it <laughs> nice yeah it's really good all right um next up we're gonna switch publishers and i'm gonna talk about scout comics um I have a series that is a number two, but I didn't catch the number one. I didn't realize the series started. I'd never heard of it, but it was on the shelf. I saw number two and I said, well, let me go find number one. And I did. And it's Cities of Magic. So, you know, idea of the covers. Oh, that's cool. That is yeah. cool. Yeah. And uh, I, I really like this already. I think it's cool. Um, so... Scripting and co-creation by Jacob Free. Uh, art and co-creation by William Will Tempest. Colors by Brad Simpson. Letters by Justin Birch of Anne World Design. So basically, this is about our world if magic was really commonplace. Like, everybody had magic. So, like, at one point, this guy goes into a shoe store, and he's looking for some shoes. And like, oh, yeah, we got shoes that can, you know, walk on water. We got shoes that can do this and that. And he's like, no, no, I'm just looking for shoes that uh, have a symbol on it. And I'll show you the symbol right here. I'm just looking for shoes with this symbol. Oh, okay. It's the Nike swoosh, of course. And she's like, yeah, I've never heard of it. (laughs) Basically, (laughs) this dude, he basically says he doesn't go in for magic. He's analog. Which I think is great. Like, I love this magic denying idea. Like, no, I understand it's there, but I don't want to use it. And, yeah, basically, long story short, he gets caught in a gang war. And he gets poisoned by a spell. And now he has to work for one of these gangs to get somebody that can actually cure them. And it's it's just really cool. It's like an epic fantasy story set in, like, a modern-looking New York City. But everything's magic. Hmm. and like the the quest item he needs is a metro card you know and stuff like that like it's just really interesting i'm really digging it and i love the art i absolutely adore the art so so really really cool big surprise for me because again it's a book i didn't even know was coming i knew nothing about and it came out of nowhere and i really dug it so check it out cities of magic from scout there's two issues out right now next up we're gonna switch over to vault comics Josue, talk to me about Shadow Service 13. Okay. Uh, really good. Okay. Uh, Shadow Service 13, also by Kevon Scott, artist by Corin Howell, uh, colors by Triana Farrell, and annual design on the lettering. I'll be light on this one because I uh, I know you're catching up on it or you're planning to catching up on it. And this one had sweet, sweet reveals. Like I, I really like the the first volume was really it was really good, uh, setting you in 
getting into like the like the horror aspect like all the fucking sweet uh monster designs volume two really leveled that uh, leveled it up after that but this one this third volume is really hitting with the revelations on like people's past especially especially gina and in this issue it's like you really come you really get a, revel- a revelation of her origins like there's it got it got dropped last time on like her mom but then there was like kind of a twist on top of that one and ooh, it is a really fucked up it was a really good scene but it was it's still very kind of like ah like how, how could you do this um and then on the other on the other as- aspect with the mi666 they're questioning um one of the the fox creatures i've got to figure what they're called um the chinese fox creatures but uh there's a scene where this happens and i just again oh shit uh, yeah freaking howl just fiona just does incredible work uh, in, in this book um making everything look super creepy to just epic as fuck like shit is just hitting the fan mm-hmm. and it is just getting really really good um and i totally forgot that the zombie dude it's like whatever he eats he can like become that it's almost like sun eater uh so he does take a bite from the dragon so there's a really sweet uh, dragon versus dragon fight that just happens out of nowhere um but yeah an epic fucking battle is is, is brewing up here to kind of like almost conclude this this uh this arc i think there are like two more issues for this arc um but yeah this this volume has really been uh has been a strong one with the um with the actual story part with the actual plot nice yeah, I'm excited to catch up. I have the first trade, mm-hmm. and I have um, like issues ten Following through thirteen. So, yeah. like, I'm like, this is that one little gap in the middle, and I need to get it. So, um, but yeah. All right, next up, uh, another vault book, Dead Box, making its return. I was gonna make some crack about late fees. <laughs> nice, box, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's good writ- written by mark russell art by benjamin tiesma colored by vladimir popoff and letter by ann world um this is of course if you guys don't remember is the vault series about the very creepy town with their haunted version of a red box that or curse or something's going on with it and it's pumping out these very disturbing fucked up movies <laughs> and this issue is no like no exception because it pops out a kids movie called Guns that looks just like Cars. Yeah. Where all the guns are anthropomorphic and fun characters and it's a really good issue. Um I mean not to not to get into politics, which we do it basically every episode. Um but I mean obviously I'm a very big uh, like proponent of gun control and so this makes a pretty good statement about the violence of guns and how they are being marketed to children and how yeah. they're far too common in our American culture. Um, so that's basically the story behind this. We also do continue the main story of our main character who owns the store with the dead box, trying to get out of town, but her dad's dying. She doesn't want to leave him. So we do get to check in with that, but uh, it's very good. It's very uncomfortable in a good way. It is only because, like, I guess, like, yeah, the the timing of this issue with everything going on recently is kind of like maybe this issue should came out like more than nine months ago, somewhere between like a long well, time ago. I, I was thinking, like, I wonder if it got delayed because there was a shooting that we forgot about already. Yeah, and then it just kept being shootings, and they're like, you know what? There's always going to be shootings. Yeah, Let's just put it out. You know what I mean? Like, that's probably true. 
which is pathetic that, that our culture is like that. But I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, maybe that's what happened. But um, yeah. Um, but uh, I, I did like I was like going back to the issue. Uh, a part that I did like was uh, the priest. Like, like someone actually acknowledged <laughs> that it's only weird because the dad came back with the with the dead box or with the red box, basically. Uh, yeah. so, I, so, I, so, I, so I thought that was cool that that's, at least someone's noticing something. Yeah. Even though he's kind of a... Oh, yeah, no, he's, he's totally weird, but, but at least he's yeah. paranoid over like the thing that's actually causing something weird to happen. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. All right, and the next thing we're going to talk about, we actually got a preview from one of our favorite people on the planet, Adrian Wassel from Vault, for their new series, Heart Eyes. We got issue number one. Sway, did you get a chance to read this? I got through a third of it, and I was really, really liking it. So I, it was kind of one of those where I was, I kind of want to wait to have it in my hands because mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was getting myself into, and then it just kept getting crazier and weirder for me. Awesome. Well, we're going to do a spoiler-free review. Um, we're going to talk about basic plot. We're not going to talk about any twists or anything like that. Uh, just a general overview. So I can give you his a limited idea of what happened. And I, I did read the whole issue and I really enjoyed it. So, um, But just to run through the creative team really quick. Uh, written by Dennis Hopeless. Art by Victor Ibanez. Color by Addison Duke and letter by Simon Bolin. Ah, oh, man, this is so good. And I... Okay, it, it is kind of a post-apocalyptic world. So if you're looking for a genre, post-apocalypse is probably the best. Um, with monsters is basically what I'll say. And... Um, I absolutely love our main character. Lupe, yeah. I adore Lupe. She's super cute, but she's also, there's something just wrong with her. (laughs) And I love it. And I can't wait to dig into what, uh, once you finish the issue, you and I will have a private conversation uh, about it. Um, But I do, I do really like it. Um, I like the, um, the setting. I think it's well done. I like the cast already. Yes, there's a cast. I guess that's technically a spoiler. There's not just one person in this. Um, and I just, I, it's really good. And there's, it's, there's a, there's a palpable dread. And I don't know what I'm dreading. And that's a good sign. Like, if you can make me know that there's something to worry about, but I don't know what you're doing your job well. And that's really cool. And I really like it. Um, so definitely check out Heart Eyes from Vault highly recommend it um and yeah it's not out yet of course like i said we did get a preview edition um i don't have an official release date at this point Mm. uh but i mean vault is usually pretty cool on twitter to let you know exactly when stuff's coming out so just follow them on twitter at the vault comics so uh but yeah that's all i got did you anything you wanted to add with a little bit you did read no i mean it it was just it was just that i kept like almost like every page kept being something like oh i'm gonna be really into this I'm really going to be really into this. And so I kind of, kind of kept for the, for a review. I kind of want to stop myself. Cause it's one of those where it's just like, I wanted to be turning the pages for this one, but I'm, I'm with, with what you're saying. It's like, I'm, I probably will be reading it right after this though. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. Well then we're going to go ahead and move on and talk about image comic books. First up from image comics, I'm going to talk about a new series called, Starhenge number one. Um, I'm very excited about this series. It's written, illustrated, and lettered by Liam Sharp. Um, and if you know anything about Liam Sharp, if you ever read a Liam Sharp book, 
then you probably have a pretty good idea of what to expect for this. And um, it's really insane. Um, <laughs> it spans space and time. <laughs> and it, it does so in a way that's very like, how, how do I even explain it? It's it's very dense. Uh, it kind of reminds me of Echolands. Okay. If you also had time travel in Echolands, like it's that dense. Mm-hmm. And um, but the art is incredible. It's super vibrant. Uh, one of the main characters, probably the one that will be end up being the main character, is I, I really like this character. She's a young, um, young. I guess you want to call her a teen girl, but she looks pretty mature to me. But she um, is a Wiccan, and there's like this whole bit where she's dating a basically star football player. And she's like, I know what a cliche basically like, she's like, but we really clicked. And she talks about how like they actually get on, you know? And, um, it's just so good. The art's really good. And she's absolutely gorgeous. And the whole idea is there's this evil force that's trying to destroy humanity and they're they're robots essentially so they can process basically everything except magic magic can't be processed so magic is the only thing that can destroy them and but they've done their best to eliminate magic by going back in time and eliminating all magic from humanity but this chick who is a wiccan has the potential we believe to produce the magic to stop them but it's really kind of vague as to what's uh, actually cool. going to happen at first yeah yeah so um but the last thing we see is Merlin in the <laughs> last page. So it is cool. It's a lot of fun. It's gonna be a very dense read. I can yeah. already feel. No, cool. I, I'm I'm not afraid of a challenge. Fuck it. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> like, I got I got it too, so I'm probably gonna wait till the second issue comes out so I can read it back to back. That's probably a good a good idea. It's definitely a good trade weight. I'm not saying to wait, but if you do, I wouldn't blame you. But there are ter- um, certain books like that, like uh we only find them when they're dead. It's definitely a trade weight book. Yeah, because you're like, what is happening? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. like so. Yeah, um, but really interesting. I'm, I'm, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, the art alone is amazing. Just the illustrations of her. I'm like, she's adorable, and I love her so much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good stuff. Uh, next up, hopefully, talk to you about time before time fourteen. That's <sighs> really good. Uh, time before time number fourteen, written by Roy McConville, art by Ron Salas. Uh, colors by Chris O'Halloran and Hassan Osamane Elahou on lettering. So this continues the heist uh, story on the that new ragtag team going to the past to retrieve um, to retrieve this transmitter to know where Tatsuo and Nadia have been going over in the future. Uh, because something something I hadn't realized until it was said in this issue was that again they're going to the past to infiltrate this company that has a transmitter to these uh, t- time uh, time machines. Only they just have that technology. They have the technology to to track where the time machines go, but they can't time travel uh, back or should I say uh, over forward and. 2365 all these people are obviously from that future or future from then uh but it's just interesting that that's the way it works still in this time anyway uh this this ragtag team obviously um not everyone makes it and there's a fucked up scene where like one of them is like a son of like this glorified um 
robber or just like this this other soldier that the, this, this this other people know. And one of the one of them just keeps shitting on him, or it's just like because he's being kind of clumsy. He's he's scared because like when as soon as they get there, they're basically already ambushed when there's no, nobody supposed to be there, and they just keep shitting on him. Um, so the the one that the one that's really kind of on him, like she ends up dying. Um, so it's just like almost like the three of them, but then like the boss gets in a mech suit and they hatch this plan to kind of like distract the the. This distract the mech while the guy who's kind of been fucking up, he was supposed to take this EMP and go around and detonate it so that the mechs can go, or the shields can go down and they can just blast him. They lie to him. It was a real bomb and he just detonates himself. And it's just like, oh, it, it, was, it was really fucked up. Because uh, like, like the guy that we've been following, like the guy that we followed like in the previous issue, kind of like getting this uh, team together, um, he's the one that kind of like, or he, he's not the one that sent him, it was the other the, the other lady. Um, uh, but she's kind of she was she was kind of like like fuck it like whatever but better him than us, and he starts kind of like not getting soft. He starts like feelings like yo maybe that was like too much, um, but then of course there's gonna be another double cross and she's gonna double cross our guy here and he the the way he's able to escape this plan was really fucking cool because they had um he 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 had a force field as soon as they got there. He um, and realized that they're about to be ambushed. He clicked this force field on, and it's like a, in the shape of a cube. And he and he said, and he just lets let, let, lets it slide. Is like, oh, and we should be careful because that was just like the one and done. Like I can't do that shit anymore. Obviously, he lied when she pops a gun on him, and he because he was on the floor, he clicks it on with her halfway in and out, and so she like gets cut in half. <laughs> um. So, uh, yeah. So he he reports back that it's like. Yeah, the the job is kind of halfway down. Like the, he does retrieve the transmitter, and they kind of start they, they start having a trail on where Tatsuya and Nadia have have been going. So now the story can actually continue on following our our, our main characters. But this little high story was was really entertaining. Nice. <laughs> All right, back to me for Twig number three. Uh, of course. This is our favorite little adventurer trying to save the world, written by Scott Young, drawn by Kyle Strom, colored by Jean-Francois Ballou, and lettered by Nate Picos of Blambot. Um, it's really great. Twig gets caught in kind of like a, a trap for a monster, and of course his little slug buddy has to save him again. He seems to be doing that quite a bit. Um, but in the end, to save the world, they need three things. And the first thing they need is the... Um, what was it? It was the heart of a horned beast. And he's like, I don't know how I feel because I don't want to kill a horned beast. He's like, I don't want to kill anything. Well, they show up to the plains and literally everything is dead. All the oh, horned shit. beasts are dead. Yeah. So he's like, you know, it sucks, but I'm actually kind of selfishly happy they're all gone. I don't know how, if I have the will to take a beast's life. And like, hey, what's that? And then there's one horned beast left. Oh. And so he chases it down. He chases it to the edge of a cliff. He's like, I'm scared too. I wish there was another way. But I have no choice. And that's where we leave off. Twig is so cute. I adore this character so much. Um, Yeah, so again, it it is giving me like, it it goes kind of the same uh, speed as Janna and the Impossible Monsters. Right. Where you're kind of like, oh, I didn't get too much in this issue. But then you're like, yeah, I actually did. I got quite a bit. It's just the art is so big and open and fun that it feels shorter. You know what I mean? It feels like a kid's book, but it's, I mean, it's definitely safe for kids. Kids would enjoy it, but yeah, 
I wouldn't put it in like picture book, you know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. really, really good. I really enjoy Twig. So um, pick it up. And next up, um, that Texas Blood 15, Hosway. Oof. Uh, I'm really liking this arc. So that Texas Blood 15 um, by Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips is the duo team. And so, uh, yeah, the last issue started this this arc, and there's a new killer in town. Uh, and oh boy, is, is he creepy. Uh, so he had that lady beheaded and posed her so she can be found in that way and then hits up the the sheriff's office and leaves a very creepy call to uh, the secretary. And she's like, no, she, she's still very, very creeped out about this. And we find out that this killer is called um, the Red Queen Killer. And he's actually famous. He's actually been, he, he obviously he's, he did more murders in bigger cities, but he's been on the move and this is his current town that he's just been operating in. Uh, so Sheriff Joe has to kind of like basically do, do the rounds, has to go inform uh, the lady's dad about her passing um, is busy with uh, the GPS, like getting um, uh, share, sharing information or just gathering information on in this case. Um, and shoot, what else happens in this issue? Um, God, there's a part, there's a really annoying part with one of the deputies is like kind of like haranguing the the secretary on like, so how'd it go? Like, what happened in the call? Like, can you give us details? Like, what happened? And she's kind of like wanting to say it, but she's also like doesn't want to fucking talk about it right now. And so the the one of the other deputies are like the not the 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 guy that's under 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 Joe. He gets kind of pissy and it's kind of like, dude, like fuck off for a second. Like, can't you see? Like, she's kind of like in distress. And so he does, and he gets all getting an attitude. And as soon as he clears, this motherfucker is like, so how did it go? And it's like, God damn it, this motherfucker. Um, so. So yeah, obviously they can't uh, like there is a killer in town, and this death is gonna get out soon. It's also like it's also gonna oh it's it's gonna be Christmas, and it's it's kind of and it it has snowed. So Sheriff Joe gets kind of does get ideas like yo we should actually get ahead of this and goes to the radio station, and so and I, I, it opens up with first warning the people to stay inside because of the weather condition. It's not gonna be safe. Um, it's a pretty bad snow or whatever. And then follows up that, yo, and we have a guest in town and just says like, yo, we have the red killer, the red, the red queen killers in town for your protection, for your safety, stay indoors. I can't, cause he, cause there's a point where he's, where he's uh, talking with, talking with one of the other sheriffs on the, on like, again, this is fucking Texas. And if we just say, Hey, there's a killer in town, everybody will just get up in arms. So it's kind of like, so I, like the way he kind of like hashed it out or devised his plan on like getting on the radio and kind of like, getting to everybody all at once was kind of a better plan. But uh, yeah, obviously, obviously the, the Red Queen Killer, again, this is a sketch. It's such a good scheme. I was going to really kind of want to make one. <laughs> um, uh, he was, he was also obviously listening to the radio and he like, there's a part because he looks back at the radio, at the, at the radio uh, as Joe is talking and he has like a hand on, on the wall. And then he just like kind of hangs his head as obviously he's, he's outing him, but is this like to push him harder? But it's like we'll see. Like it's like like this this arc has has really been sinking in its teeth with the with the creep factor, and I'm really liking it. Nice, awesome. And then we have a couple shared image books. Let's start with the closet number two. Oh fuck! <laughs> I know, right? Written by James Tynan the fourth, art by Gavin Fullerton, colors by Crystal Halloran, letter by Tom Napolitano. Like okay, 
there's two aspects to this book that we have to address. The first is, of course, the monster, which is creepy as fuck and should not exist. And the fact that they brought this into reality is really just <laughs> awful. Awful. Yes, Bay. <laughs> fuck you people for doing I agree. This. Jesus Christ. Like, it looks like an aborted fetus. It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but the other thing, and possibly the more uncomfortable thing, is our main character is such a piece of shit. The dad? Yeah. Yes. What a piece of shit. <laughs> like, and it's just like, we're seeing it from different perspectives. Like, the last issue, we saw it where he was talking to the bartender, right? Mm-hmm. And then also to the wife. And now he's talking to his best buddy. And everybody thinks this guy's a piece of shit. You yes. know what I mean? And so you're getting the impression, yeah, he probably is. And as he's talking, you're like, oh, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, he's so unlikable. And I think it really works because he's not the one in danger. Yes. If the kid, or if he was the one in danger, you'd be like, good, die. Yeah. But it's the kid that's in danger. And I think that's what makes it so good. Under and his supervision, yeah. Under his supervision, without the wife there. They're separate right yeah. now. So it's just, uh, it's so grim and uncomfortable. But as I said earlier, in a good way. In a way, it's supposed to make you uncomfortable. So I'm really liking it. But it's definitely one of those books I, I can only read in certain moods. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. If I'm in a grim mood already, I don't want to pick up this one. But <laughs> it's really, really good. What'd you think? Uh, no, no, I, I really liked it because... Uh... Yeah, obviously the the monster is just like its own fucking thing. Especially with the cover for the next one, like adding the dad with the monster smile is just like get right. get it away from me. Um, but I loved love the scenes between the dad and who was it? Was it just a, a friend? His brother? I don't think it was his brother. It was like it's his, his cousin? best friend. Oh, his, his best, best friend. His best friend. Cool. Um, yeah. I, I love that. I love that dynamic. That that all that whole scene because. Usually, like the trope in in these scenes, as like shit's getting creepier or crazier, it's like you'll have these like weird scenes where like the friend or like the the family friend or the relative starts getting a little too honest, a little too brutally honest, like getting a little creepy that they know too much, but it's all part of like the monster. No, in this case, this person was calling him the fuck out for every wrong thing, and I love that. It's like, yo, we haven't seen we haven't seen each other in years. But I feel like I should actually fucking say something here. And I love right. that. I love that about the story. It was really good. Like, I love the part where the dude's like, yeah, those are my Legos. I like to get stoned to build Legos. And he's like, see, I'd love to be able to do that yes. for my wife. And he's like, my wife does it with me. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> like, oh, interesting. So, yeah, I like that contrast. I thought it was really well done. So. Mm -hmm. Very creepy. Very, very creepy. Yeah, <laughs> so. it's really good. We got one more. <laughs> yeah. Next up, Little Monsters number five. Oh, man. Written by Jeff Lemire, art by Dustin Nguyen, letter by Steve Wands. Uh, we get another origin story, which takes us way back to Hiroshima. So that tells us exactly how old one of the girls is. Um, and we see the kids starting to deal with actual consequences of their actions. Um, because they're kids, and because they've lived alone for so long... And we've seen, you know, they heal from injuries and stuff. They've never had to deal with a consequence, really. Yeah. And now one of them has to deal with the ultimate consequence. And it's it really puts things into perspective. And I like that they're not super invincible vampires. You know what I mean? Like, they are vulnerable. They can die. And I always like, I always like that more than just like, 
invincible monsters. That seems kind of lazy to me when people do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I like how the group is kind of splintering in different groups with different ideas and what's going to happen because it makes it it makes it more interesting, like what the end result of the story is going to be. Like they're not all on the same side. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different ways it can go. I'm really digging it. I love it. Um, also, I love her library. I want to live in that library. Oh, thank yeah. you. It looks amazing. So, but yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I- I'm loving this book actually. I'm really, really, really digging it. Uh, especially because my least favorite part was probably the twins. Oh right. So this issue helped. <laughs> so, uh, what do you think? I feel like these last two issues have been really um, been getting stronger and stronger, uh, progressing the story, and so it's only because. We kind of we kind of went into this book uh, thinking that it was just going to be a mini, but then I, I recently found out that it's like the next issue is like the conclusion to like the first arc. Yeah, so to keep going. Yeah, so so really, and but I found that out after I read this issue. So the feeling of this issue gave me like it, 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 I was reminiscing over back on the first issue, and then it made me and then it made me feel happier when I read what I when I found out what I did about. It, it continuing later is that the first issue very felt like like an ending like the ending of a story and now we're we're starting at the ending because like getting everybody's like origin stories throughout have been kind of filling in like the pieces and now like you said like them feeling actual consequences feel, feel like the weight of consequences is like them actually growing up now um i re- i really like the the way the story is being told like it, it started super vague and super big but now the way it's filling in and how we're gonna supposed to continue from this is very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm curious, especially with like you said, with it not being a mini. Yeah, where are we going? Like, like, I, like I, I feel like once once we either once all, all everything's said and done, once we either get to like the ending uh, or or just much later in the book, I feel like if we come back to like the first issue, it's gonna be way more impactful. Where, where like kind of nothing was really happening, but it's like you understand the kids more where they kind of been and how they got to those places. Um, yeah. But that, that's just like my feeling. Yeah, no, definitely. And our final image book of the week, Saga number sixty. God, God damn it! By Brian K. Vaughn, drawn by Fiona Staples, letters and design by Phonographics. Now. Um, <sighs> My description of this was heartbreaking, and we aren't talking about the hiatus announcement. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's also heartbreaking. Literally. For those don't know, it's going to be on hiatus until January. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Interesting. Um, <laughs> fuck you, Brian K. Fon. I love you. Stop hurting me. Um, so, it's a good issue. We get to check back in with the grandma in a really interesting, short, and emotional scene. Yeah, it only went four pages, so very interesting. There, we get to see that we address the fact that uh, Hazel's adopted brother is in love with her, uh, and then I love this issue because every once in a while, Saga does an issue where they very much foreshadow the future, mm-hmm. and this one is full of it. Yeah, including that the two members of the band they won't be around much longer. You know. And then I thought the the I thought one of the the ominous ones was it was a sound only a parent could hear. I wouldn't know. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting under the radar ominous thing. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah. We'll see. <laughs> um, and then the, also the one, of course, it would be several years before my brother and I had a rematch at that particular game at much higher stakes. I can't oh, imagine. We'll get there when we get there. I, I can't imagine. It's, it's going to be a serious fight. Yeah. I don't think I want to talk about the big twist at the end. The like, one that made me cry. Feeling. I literally froze. I, yeah, me crying too, right? Like, I literally froze in place. Like, I, it was like the page shall be vague, but I was just in shock. And in my peripherals, I could see like the, like, her faces in like in the in the next page, but I couldn't register it. I was just in awe, just as much as the characters were. And then, of course, like I have to keep going, and then her repeating the words, and then just like fuck, I, I, it's like you yeah. you were talking about. I guess like it, I, I'll try not to go into spoilers about what happens here, but I just reference something else because something that you, that you had talked about how like well we were ta- we have been talking about how like it hasn't really felt or like we haven't really felt. Marco's passing, and this was yeah. it. And that this was, was like it, yeah. this is the final, the final one to just like to really let go. And it was just how, how the fuck could I cry four years ago, super fucking hard, go through that hiatus, and then st- and then have to come back, and then still kind of go through this like depression slash uh, acceptance process, and then to really hit me all over again just as fucking brutal as it was four years ago oh my god what an issue i'm actually going to briefly talk about the spoiler because i have to tell you the story of how i discovered what happened in this issue. okay liz okay so if you don't do not want to know the spoiler because we're not going to talk about in depth but i have to mention as part of my story if you do not want to hear fast forward one minute okay Mm -hmm. liz went with me to samurai this week she doesn't usually go so she went with me, and I'm like, oh, it's a saga week. We can pick up saga. So we pick, both picked up a copy of saga. I put it on my stack. I moved on. Liz, beyond the, being the chaos gremlin that she is, <laughs> turns to the last page and goes, oh, they set the spaceship on fire, and then closed the book. Just straight up, why? Because <laughs> she's evil. Because she, she's a curse Just on my existence. Just keep it to yourself. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Just dead like, inside. oh, so that's what happens. Like, anything like, else. Thanks. Thanks, Liz. Oh, Liz. (laughs) Yeah. That's the way she is. She doesn't care about spoilers to a detrimental degree. But it's been a really good arc. I know what's going on. Hey, it's it's unfortunate. But as long as this book has the quality, I can't fight them having hiatuses. You know what I mean? Like, it's fine. So. Keep it much better, please. (laughs) Let's move on to DC. Uh, we got a couple of DC books. I'm going to start off with uh, Black Adam, The Justice Society Files, Hawkman 1. This is the first of several one-shots that are going to preview Black Adam, the movie. Okay. Written by Kevin Scott, penciled by Scott Eaton, inked by Norm Ratman, colored by Andrew Dollhouse, and lettered by Rob Lay. It definitely sets up the Black Adam world without really featuring Black Adam. It does mention in this that Hawkman is the leader of the Justice Society. So that's cool because I nice. like that. Yeah. Um, and it's just really a good Hawkman story. Um, and I, I really dig it. The bad guy is a thief who ends up dying in the process of trying to steal. And the process of dying becomes Gentleman Ghost, who we love. He's an amazing, like, C-list DC hero. I absolutely <laughs> adore him, so. Um, there's also a tease for the future with, uh, you know, appearance by Dr. Fate in a vision who's also going to get a one shot. Um, but it's really cool. I dig it. I can't wait for the movie. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. 
Um, I love the pivot of DC to being less grimdark, and that's really cool. So um, there's also a backup story at the end by Brian Q. Miller with Marco Santucci art, colors by Michael Tay, and letter by Rob Lay. That is literally a preview of Black Adam himself. Um, so it, it, it's, I think there's going to be a, bits of this in each of the one shots. So, um, but yeah, I, I thought it was really cool. Um, I'm excited for more. I'm excited for the movie. I thought the trailer was actually pretty funny in a good way. I know a lot of people were like, I don't want it to be funny. Well, sorry. <laughs> like you're, you're outnumbered. Like you got your Snyder cut. Be happy. <laughs> so, Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I will say that there's going to be a Dr. Fate one shot, a Cyclone one shot and an Atom Smasher one shot. Yeah. So I'm very excited. And there's also variant covers with the actor themselves. So that's what I got. Like Ooh, the actor actually yeah. portraying it. So yeah, that's what I had to get it this time. So yeah, good stuff. And read my Kevin Scott. I mean, you know, like it's a, it's a one shot tie into a movie. You wouldn't think you would, you know, that's the kind of thing you pawn off on, a, on an intern or something. Right. But they, they put some money behind this. They put some real, real talent. And I really like that. So next up, Josue. Talk to me about the new era of Batman. Batman one two five. Yeah, Batman one two five was uh, pretty fucking good. <laughs> I'll say the least. So, so this one uh, kicking off the new era is done by Chip Zdarsky, uh, drawn by Jorge Jimenez, artist by Tommy Omori, and Clayton Cowles on the lettering. So uh, this answers this answers my my Tim Drake question that's been going on since future state and why he's been out of commission but we'll get to that because it, it opens with it, it opens with another time i, I it, it's not i don't think it's supposed to be like in another universe another multiverse thing another different earth it's just set in the past um we're set in the bad cave and there's these ominous like red beeps whatever and you cut to you turn two and it's the the three jokers era and it's just for the page it's just, it's just for the page because then uh, Bruce wakes up. So we're post uh, the War of the Three Jokers, I guess. And then again, to, to set where we are in this in this Batman book, uh, Batman calls up Selina. And they're not together. Selina, Selina's with Valmont. I have no idea where that went or where, where that happens. But obviously she's, she's with someone else because he makes his presence known when she's on the phone. <laughs> and Bruce is like, yeah, sure, whatever, babe. I'll hit you up later. Uh, so anyway, uh, he goes out as Batman. Super dope scene. Um, there's a there's a hostage situation, and he's able to get to the to the uh, to the guy, but the hostages were 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 already dead. Like, so he's already feeling worse that he didn't get the job done right. Um, but he he gets into that. It's basically like a, a penguin plan. Um. Penguin puts out a, a broadcast and basically just calling out the the elites and all the, all the fat cats. Uh, meanwhile, Bruce um, is in the back cave watching this with Tim, and uh, Bruce is uh, Bruce is all like, "This doesn't make any fucking sense." Like he's going after the rich people, but he himself came from wealth, so that's like it makes uh, he's just being a, a fucking hypocrite. Um, and Tim and Tim kind of then he wants to talk to Bruce. I mean, like, yo, ever since like you lost your fortune, again indicating where we are with uh, Bruce's timeline. Ever since you lost your fortune, um, you've kind of only been focusing on Batman, and you don't let Bruce Wayne come out. Um, so we've, we've just been kind of concerned, and of course Bruce is just kind of like, I need to be Batman. 
the city needs me. But anyway, but, but at the very least, even though he lost his fortune, he still got an invitation to this next uh, party, which he already assumes uh, that that's where the penguin is going to attack next. Because it's like every it's it's a party for only the rich people. Um, so he, he before he walks in, he already guesses that penguin is going to gas up the place. He does. Because <laughs> uh, obviously Penguin makes his, makes his presence known. He's already wearing like a uh, cover on his mouth. Uh, but Tim is already on the case and he put in a, a neutralizer in the in the tank. And while all this is happening, Bruce does a quick uh, Batman change. And he looks pretty fucking sweet changing from like a tux into a Batman suit. Oh, yeah. This is what he's fighting in the in the galley, which is like pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, he starts fighting. Tim is like, I hate when you start without me. Uh, so he's trying to catch up. You find out that the penguin that is there is actually Clayface. Um, so yeah, kind of levels up, levels it up, uh, levels up the hard mode. But then Bruce is kind of like just just gets his contraption from his pocket and is like, "As for you, I'd be hoping to run into you again, Clayface. Last time we met, I injected you with the formula that, that I've been working on to turn your clay into something more explosive. You you couldn't have. <laughs> it's like try me." It's like help me save these fucking people, and you won't find out. Like, like don't don't listen to the fuck to the to the penguin. So he literally starts helping uh, Bruce instead. <laughs> and then, uh, so this is where um, Tim reaches the door to to open it. Um, or because he because the doors were were shut, so he's trying to put an explosive to, uh, to yeah to to blow it up to blow it open. When one of the goons, I I got him, boss, and shoots Tim through the neck. That's why Tim has been out of commission. Good, good. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so he's so he's on the floor. Uh, so Bruce basically just like drops everything. Um, he trusting that Clayface is going to help people, and obviously he's getting into PTSD on on Jason. So he rushes him to to the car, right. going to the hospital. Tim is like, "No, they know who I am. They'll figure out who the fuck you are. You'll lose everything." Or he, he doesn't even finish everything. He go he goes unconscious, and. Bruce is just like recalling everything about Todd. He's like, I'm not losing another one. Um, so he gets some I help. Like this one, huh? <laughs> I actually like. This I actually one. like this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he obviously uh, it, they, they he gets some help, but it cuts to Batman um, finding the Penguin's real room, and the Penguin is basically also dying, which is kind of it's like his one last like hurrah to like just, like kind of like say fuck you to the to the the elites in gotham uh but yeah because he looks like shit in this bed and his final act to kill batman is that rabbit like you know you never get to see this but um he clicks the 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 nurse button as he pops the cyanide capsule too fast for bruce to do anything about it and so a nurse catches him red-handed thinking that he killed penguin so obviously I like, get yeah, with, with the witness. And so he has to fucking leave. Um, and then the, the cliffhanger is that again, the, those red beepings. Okay. Cause it, so this is everything kind of like another time is how it said it. And then the cliffhanger ends with um, uh, the back cave now, which, which has been empty and those red beepings or the beeping from the beginning have been going off. And then this capsule pop up pops off. And it's this, uh, well, the arc is called fail safe. And it's this, robotic bat suit mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll see if this is if it's if it's going ai or not um but yeah solid start because again i've been wondering what I, what's been going on with tim drake or why they've been forgetting him and he just hasn't been able to be, been around 
I mean, he's been in a couple things. In a couple of things, but never anything kind of super important. Or if it or if it is, it's not super canon tied. Yeah, I mean, he's made a couple of Nightwing appearances and stuff. Like, but other than that, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Interesting. All right, next up, Monkey Prince number six. I love Monkey Prince; it's so much fun. Uh, written by Jean Jean Lewin Yang. Let me actually get to the credits before I start reciting them from memory. <laughs> um, yeah, written by Jean Lewin Yang. Uh, oh God, where are the credits? DC, why don't you just put the credits on the third page like Marvel does? <laughs> where are you? Uh, well, while I'm pulling it up, it's it's really cool. It leans more into the Monkey King story, mm-hmm. which I really appreciate because I love the Monkey King story. It's one of the coolest legends out there. Oh yeah, and um, yeah, I'm curious to see. Yeah, I'm trying to think how much I want to actually spoil this book. Because it's really good, but I think I think I'll go full on spoilers with this one. So, um, so while I'm finding the credits, I'll just talk about it. Oh, there we go. Jean Louis Yang. Okay, art by Bernard Chang, colors by Marcelo Maiolo, and letter by Janice Chiang. Okay, so in this one, Monkey Prince is kind of more comfortable with his powers. He's overcome his fear of water. He fights the big monster that Black Manta and Monkey King's parents summon. Um, so he's able to fight it off and everything. Everything seems to be going better for him. There's also a shot of these like dragon-like dudes that are like playing a card game, mm-hmm. and they're telling a story of the Monkey King, the original Monkey King, Ooh. and how one of them is just, he's wearing an eye patch and he's just like they're talking about the staff, you know, the bow staff that can shrink to like a splinter or grow to the size of a pillar. The power pole. Yeah, the power pole. We <laughs> I know we're all thinking Goku, but um, <laughs> so um. He's like, they're like, oh, that's not real. It can't do that. He's like, it is. And he pulls up his eye patch and his eye is just busted. Oh. And he's like, there's like a sliver of it. He's like a sliver of the pillar stuck in my eye here. And they're like, okay, whatever. You're full of shit. That's happy. You probably like tripped or something. And Piggy, uh, w- during the fight, Piggy gives him the, the pole. And he's like, here, here's the pole. You know, use this in your fight. And so he uses it and makes it grow. We cut back to the dragon dude. He's like, ow, my eye. And then it just fucking, <gasps> the shard just explodes in size. Oh, no. <laughs> it's so great. Um, and then also they mention what happened to the Monkey King mm. is that he was he was basically removed from this reality. Oh. Um, so he's still alive somewhere, but he's not in this reality. Well, the last page we get somewhere in the Phantom Zone. The Monkey oh, King. And, the and then fan- he wakes up. What, the actual Monkey King? The actual Monkey King. In the Phantom Zone? Holy shit, that's cool. Yes, his father. Yeah. So, also the name of this arc is Big Stick Energy, which... (laughs) Good. Really good stuff. I really like Monkey Monkey Prince. It's a lot of fun. Alright, next up, let's talk about all the books we share. Starting with Nubia, Queen of the Amazons, number two. Um... I did not know this was one of four. I mean, uh, four-part series. Oh, okay. Hopefully, we'll get an ongoing afterwards. I really hope so. Yeah, written by Stephanie Williams, pencil by Alita Martinez, inked by Mark Morales and John Livesay, colors by Alex Gamaris, and letter by Becca Carey. So after the tragedy of the last issue, you know, with the the mudslide, mm-hmm. uh, Nubia is hospitalized, and uh, they basically are trying to protect her. And basically, what we're discovering is that this is all targeting her, or is it targeting her? 
Is it more trying to make her look like a target so no one wants to accept her? You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of trickery going on here. Now, very Lex Luthor-like trickery, I should say, mm-hmm. um, which is really interesting. And um, we get some, we get some guest appearances. Of course, Hawk Girl is or Hawk Woman, I should say, is all over this issue. Um, we get, we get to see our girl Yara Flora show up. Yeah, and which is just always amazing. I love the this seems like a HIPAA violation line. I love that. <laughs> yeah. As someone who works with medical records in my job, it's, it just makes me happy. Um, and we get an extended scene of Nubia's original life, mm-hmm. which they've been teasing. And I thought that was really cool. And I like where we're going with it. I think it's an, in, an interesting idea. And I think there's a lot we can do with that. Um, yeah, I thought that was really good. I thought it was a good issue. Um it is. It does put it in different perspective for me because it is two of four. Um, I was thinking more of an ongoing when I originally was reading it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I really liked it. I would like Hawkwoman to join the Amazons to become oh, a absolutely of Amazonia. You know, like of yeah. Ever since, I think it's really cool. So. Ever since uh, it was, ever since it was kind of teased in the first issue and the last issue, yeah, I wanted her and to be part of this book, to be part of this team, at least for a while. Like she's not going to be utilized in any other book or like. She's like she's not going to be used in Dark Crisis. Fuck it, but keep her, keep her in Nubia, please. Um, and you're right. Like, like there was like a hard focus in the first half of this uh, issue on Nubia's backstory, where it should be like if that's kind of like the setup during this mini, like that that's too much of a lore to not set up for at least something bigger like an ongoing. I would really like that too. Yeah, it's a setup for something. It's yeah, not- right. It's not. I mean, it is a self-contained story, but sure. What's the purpose of telling this story if it's not setting something else up? Exactly. Yeah, so that's why I think we'll especially get it in how in depth it was too. I would like a just straight up the Amazons book, yeah, like featuring all of them because I love all these characters. Yeah, me too. Like, I would really like that. Even though I do want Nubia to be like a title character, I think she deserves it. If what we get is an Amazons team book, I'm fine with that. Yeah. All right, that takes us next to Poison Ivy number two. Okay, let's do creative team before we jump in. Um, God, I love this book. Spoilers, I enjoyed this book. Good. <laughs> uh, written by G. Willow Wilson, art by Marcio Takara, colored by Reef Prianto, and letter by Hassan Atsmani and Hao. This is this might be the most. Oh yeah, I got the I got the normal one. Nice. Um, this might be the most I've cared about Poison Ivy. Oh really. Yeah. Wow. Like, I love this story. I love the conflict, the interior conflict she has. Mm-hmm. The entire first issue, the only people we see her interact with are terrible people. Yeah. So we're like, good, fuck those guys. Now we see her interacting with good people, like like the, the guy that owns the place where she's eating. Yeah. Like, he seems like the nicest dude ever. Has, like, the ear for, for poetry. Like, he, it, that, that scene was yeah. awesome. And the whole like all, like the family's hanging out there, and then of course, the hot chick that she sits with, and I'm just like, she's she starting to question, but not question, and uh, like it's it's just really interesting the struggle she's going through, the conflict she has, and I really enjoying it. I also I love the art, Marcio's version of yes. of her is so great in costume and out, right? Like I just really adore this. Um. Especially, of course, this shot. Yes. Like, oh, my God. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. So, for those who don't know, it's when she chooses to use her pheromones, if you're looking at the book. So, 
it's so dark and it's so grim, but it's also understandable. It's also sad. It's also, and I love that. And this is, this is for all the people out there who are like, Oh, they broke Harley Quinn and poison Ivy up. They can't have any gay relationships. No, there's a story to tell. And this book makes that very clear. Cause she's thinking about Harley the entire time, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the point. Like not every relationship is going to be like, okay, we're happy now done. That's not how it works. You know what I mean? So I like that this is maintaining that. And that's very clearly the end game is what they're saying, but they need to work on themselves. And that's what we should want for these characters, not for them to just be happy, but for them to have a realistic arc that we can relate to. And that's kind of why I I got really annoyed with people who overreacted when they broke them up quote. Cause I'm like, do you think they're not coming back to this? Like (laughs) they're just going to actually give them something to do instead of just put them in the background. Happy. And I'd much rather have that. You know what I mean? So, what do you think? Uh, I mean, it was it was a very good, very good issue. I, I love how it was contained in the diner um, while all, mm-hmm. all this is happening. But again, like, yeah, she's like, she's on her own path, she's on her own mission. But it's just like, it's like, if you come, if you if you cross her in whatever form, you're done. Like that that's her mission because again like in, in the beginning the guy that dies is just so fucking good the way that everybody just kind of goes just oh yeah just gets disintegrated but then if you just get the the laima or like the, the, the disease you just like painfully blissfully go into this like fungi form and it's like oh it's so it's so beautifully dark and yeah and i love it but again like her characterization is just really good. Gail's, Gail is just like nailing it with, with Ivy right now. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. G Willow Wilson's just G. Like, Wilson, Yeah. 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 I knew what you meant. I love G Willow Wilson. I, I absolutely adore the writing. So yeah, I, it's great. So next up, we're going to talk multiversity teen justice Two. You know what I noticed for the first time in this issue mm. on the cover, they got all the earths. As a number, yeah, and the Earth it takes place in is highlighted. Right, I never noticed that. Oh, really? <laughs> that's a really cool way to do that. I mm-hmm. think that's a really cool design choice. So, is the only um, like multiverse verse book like this? I'm gonna have to keep an eye on it. Oh, okay, I'm not sure. I literally noticed today. So, <laughs> uh, written by Danny Lore and Ivan Cohen, art by Marco Fela, colors by Enrique Aaron and Giolini, letter by Carlos Mengual. Um, this one, after introducing the whole group, kind of breaks us into smaller groups to give us things to do. Um, so there are like all kind of starting missions. So there's not a ton to talk about. Um, I still love Jess Chambers. Kid Flash is amazing. Um, I I really like Male Robin. I really dig that. Obviously, I love. I mean, not Male Robin. Um, Male Raven is what I meant to mm-hmm. say. Um, I dig Talia Robin. Yes. a lot. Such a great character. It's very much a Robin too, which I really like. Right. Um, and yeah, just a lot of like working together, tr- trusting each other and stuff. This one did have quite a bit of the Robin or the Raven in it because it was kind of like the full on intro of that Raven. Yeah, it's really really cool. I, I I really enjoyed this, and these spins on characters are a lot of fun. I love the Supergirl a lot. Um, I'm trying to think of the others that really jump out at me. I, I just like them all, to be honest with you. Uh, and I'm really, really liking Troy quite a bit. So, <laughs> right. Uh, for a character I normally don't like, I don't normally don't like Donna Troy all that much. But I like Troy. 
quite a bit. So what do you think? I know it's a good book. Again, just just starting out. So and like you said, like it's it's breaking off into like uh, starting the mission. So we'll we'll see where the, where where this book goes because I, I definitely jumped on this for for the Just Chambers uh, of it all because I've been waiting for them to show up uh, in the actual DC canon as far as multiversity mm-hmm. canon goes. Yeah. Thanks. All right, and finally, Dark Crisis number two. Ooh, I read. I did read this. I don't have it, but I did read it. Written by Joshua Williamson, art by Daniel Sampier, color by Alejandro Sanchez, and letter by Tom Napolitano. Okay, so my main concern last time was, of course, Chupacabra. We talked about this. Yeah. Um, we do get a brief check-in, and I'm, I'm assured, because my theory is, first of all, if anyone had died besides Beast Boy, they would have shown it, I think. They would have talked mm-hmm. about it. Nightwing would have been frustrated and angry, you know? Yeah. Plus, they made the point that Brat Girl's like, you got the bomb off him. Why bother saying that if they also just killed him? Yeah. So I think he's just in critical condition. And like, like, but the way she leaves off, it's like, it's like she wants to say something else. Like, I hope he didn't lose his wings. No, I don't think. I think he's just like in a coma or something okay. like that. You know? like, I think that's what's going to happen. So. so this whole issue essentially is Deathstroke versus Teen, Teen Titans Academy. Yeah. And we get to see all these characters that we really loved over the series and basically step up to Deathstroke's villains. It's a really good issue for Nightwing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he looks great. Um, there's also the, maybe my moment of the week. Oh, really? That I sent it to you. Yeah. Where he's about to get shot and John zooms in it's with the Superman eyes, land. With eyes shaded. Like, oh my god, that's such a moment. Dude. That last second Superman land to just not save the day, but to just like to block the coming yes. impact. Oh, it was so perfectly done. <laughs> yeah. Really, really cool. Um I, I one thing I was kind of like I mean again, because we're Teen Titans Academy fans, mm-hmm. so if you're a fan of a, like a, a side book in a publisher and they decide to use those characters in a main story by someone who's not the normal user of those characters. Yeah. Sometimes you get kind of like, I don't like that. Right. Um, I don't like Gorilla Greg just abandoning them. Right. Uh-huh. That didn't feel right at all to me. Especially when he, he kind of like, had his own little part, his own two parter story too. We we got about, to know him. About being member of the team. And yes. Everything. Like, yeah. So that, that felt weird to me. But again, I mean, that's, it is what it is. But I will say, of course, I mean, the ending was awesome. Oh, so dope. So (laughs) So sick. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I I really enjoyed it for the most part. I think my major concern, again, was was the Chupacabra. And I think they left it vague enough that we can assume he's probably going to be back. Yeah. So, Or or even then, like, Brad Girl could have said, like, he's fucking dead, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what do you think? Uh, no, I mean, like, it, it, it was awesome. I, I got to read it at the shop. Uh, was it Sunday? Because well, they got them early. Um, and I was like, you know, let me let me just knock it out because like, the cover looked cool. And then and I flipped it and it's like, oh, it's a it's a whole fucking fight between Nightwing and Deathstroke. So let me let me just start it. And it was awesome. It, it was a dope fucking issue. <laughs> I can yeah, see why this event is actually kicking off. It's so confusing again that Deathstroke Inc. is a, like a year one right now. Like oh, it would fit yeah. perfectly to tie into this. Why wouldn't they do that? It's <laughs> so weird. So. But that's it for our DC books. So we're going to start talking about Marvel. And, um, oh boy, we got some books this week, guys. Yeah. Avengers Forever, number seven. 
Pride variant Somnus on the I saw cover. A Somnus cover. I need to jump on this. Yes. This this series has been so weird and it's gone a bunch of different directions, and that's what's been so great about it. Uh creative team is Jason Aaron, Aaron Cooter, Cam Smith, Guru EFX, and lettering by Cory Petit. Basically, we're in a prison. And we meet Steve. Okay. Yeah. Normal nerdy guy named Steve. And he meets this chubby dude, this sad chubby dude, whose name is also Steve. Okay. Yes. Then they meet this dude. Oh. Whose name is also Steve. Oh, no. And then there's a dog. A puppy. Who has a name tag that says, my name is Steve. Oh my god, no. And then finally, there's someone we can't see in the shadows. I'm trying to get the angle right. There we go. Right there. Okay. He's talking to them. Basically, they're trying to break out of this prison. And they just keep trying and trying and trying and trying and failing and their asses into them, but they get brought back. And it's, it's originally the one that you saw running. He's originally the one doing it. And then the nerdy one decides to help him. And then the dog decides to help him. And then they talk the chubby, cowardly one into helping them. And they just keep getting their asses handed to them. And then uh, basically the guy in the hidden, hidden era is like, you know, you got guts. I'll give you that. We're more like than I thought. What? <gasps> Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. That's not good. So it's. Very much what these are all Steve Rogers, if you guys haven't caught up on this. Um, he's very much he's got the nuke face paint. So if yes. you're familiar with nuke, yeah. with the the flag painted on his face. He's got an eye patch, he's got Wolverine claws, and his arms are veined very much like a Hulk, but he's not as big as the Hulk. And he decides to help them. And all of them working together, they're able to get out. And when they do uh, there's a thing that says, um, I love this line. This is our moment, Steve's, which is my favorite. <laughs> um, there's someone throws a shield at them and they say, this, you know, it's time to reach out and grab it. And they reach out and grab it. And we get the amazing group shot where they all get different shields. Oh, that's cool. Of different designs, including the dog, by the way. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so, um, basically this was a testing facility for various Captain Americas to test if you're ready to become a Captain, uh, Steve Rogers, oh. Captain America, Steve Rogers. And I'm going to show you what the ones that were testing them look like. They're amazing. <laughs> so <sighs> yes, that is a cartoon one. What? Yes, that is a monkey, <laughs> monkey America, the monster one. Yes. The werewolf by night one. Oh, okay. Cool. cool, cool. Yeah. Holy shit, those are awesome. <laughs> and then you find out the one with the claws is named Weapon America, by the way. <laughs> of course he is. And who is running this? Our Avengers Forever. Ant-Man, Tony Stark, Ghost Rider, Deathlock. Why? They say, they say, we're going to need all the Steves we can get. Oh, We've shit. We've got an army to build. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> this book is insane. <laughs> I love it so much. So, okay. So. Next up, Black Panther. Now, I went with variant covers on this one. Of course, I got 
the Carol Hellfire variant. Oh, it's so good. But I also had to get the Wakanda postcard variant. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so I love those postcard variants. Oh, cool, these Zax so. Ross is this team shot. It's so good. I know. I was. I was like, I can't buy three. That's stupid. Right. <laughs> Written by John Ridley, art by Stefano Landini, color by Matt Me, and letter by Joe Sabino. Okay, so the battle for Wakanda is beginning, and lines are being drawn, and Storm has showed up, and the you know Dora Milaje, and every, everything is happening, and it's really good. But 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 but. Mm-hmm. The most important thing happened. Josue already knows. We didn't discuss this ahead of time, but we've both been hyped yes. for this to happen. Tosin, Tosin has baby. finally entered the picture. How crazy would it be? Because in the comics, T'Challa has given up the Black Panther manual or uh, mantle, the throne, full on. Well, well, and he's no longer Black Panther. Oh yeah, so yeah, he's yeah. No longer Black Panther. So, how crazy would it be if Marvel? somehow orchestrated Tosin becoming Black Panther and then being Black Panther in the new movie. At the and what kind of forever, if this is like the move, I'd be okay with it. That'd be insane. I would love it. Especially because like, like, it'll be like, it, it, it'll be uh, such a sweet spot for the MCU to start exploring what kind of in a different way with like the way like Tosin's like upbringing is. And so just like maybe focusing yeah. on like keeping on like the whole throne, the whole like hierarchy, like the the sciencey stuff, we we know all that. We've seen it. We, we've had it. But it's like if we can focus on a new Black Panther like Tosin and explore Wakanda a little bit deeper, that I'd be okay with that. If they were able to launch those two at the same time, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. That'd be the coolest cross promotion ever. Yeah, like oh, so cool. Love Tosin. For those who don't know who we're talking about, read back a couple issues. We got a cool origin story for him. He has an amazing character design. Yeah, I think I think that's a star waiting to happen. I love that character mm-hmm. so much already. So, but yeah, so it looks like the battle is about to fully begin, which is really cool. Anything else you want to add about the issue? Um, no, uh, just like the 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 back and forth between uh, Shiri and Tozen, like her trying to figure out how yeah. he works, and then him explaining it's like, oh shit, I've been thinking about how to do that, but obviously she's like already set in her science path that she's having a hard time understanding how he works i really like that part yeah definitely all right next up ghost rider number four. Oof, 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 oof. this uh, is yeah, just too yeah, fucking yeah, gorgeous yeah, me too <laughs> too fucking gorgeous <laughs> it's a beautiful cover for those who don't know we are talking about a variant cover by peach moco <laughs> so <laughs> right, written by benjamin percy drawn by Corey smith inks by orin jr colored by brian valinson letter by travis lanham we're just kind of continuing this whole arc of, you know, Ghost Rider rolling around, taking out bad guys, which is great. Uh, this one involves the circus of crime, but kind of in a different <laughs> way, in a really twisted, crazy way. Um, to me, the highlight of this book is checking in with our secret agent, because she has been so awesome. Mm-hmm. And I just can't wait to see what role she's going to end up playing in the story. Like in the end, like right? What's, what's her What's her goal? You know what I mean, like, right? Obviously, yeah. I re- I really like her quite a bit, but yeah, it, it is an awesome story with him and the circus of crime and stuff. And of course, he does the thing where he wakes up and he's like, "Oh, I guess I killed a bunch of people." <laughs> like on to the next mission, which I really like. So, um, really cool, very gory. Loved it. What do you think? Oh, it was it, it was awesome. Like every time I read in a new issue on Benjamin Percy. I just, I really want to go back to and read um, the Denaway run or the Denaway slash Jason Aaron run 
I'm going to pass it over because it's very much reminiscent to this one where there's like a, not a monster per issue, but it's like a, there's like a focus like from arc to arc in that one. And Max uh, Texera uh, on the art is just like phenomenal. So I get all those vibes in this book as well. Um, and the highlight for me was like the fucking human zygote that, that, that he has to fight. It's just, it was so <laughs> fucking good. I, I love this Ghost Rider book because like you, you can have horror in Marvel. And I love it when Ghost Rider just gets it right. Totally, yeah. What are the chances this chick is actually Lilith? Oh, don't even play with me like that. Remember they were trying to make Lilith a big deal? Don't even play with me like that. Don't even tease me with that one. I would love it. I like that. That would that was was the thought I had. That was an untold story. That the God, that's sad. They would. I'm hoping it gets it gets that Mother of Demons one shot was so good. It was really good. I mean, like yeah. In fact, it went nowhere. Really bothers me. It it wasn't. It wasn't. It didn't go up for like a little bit more than just a one shot. Wasn't it almost like a? I I no, that was a one shot. It was a one shot that tie was tying into heavily into the whole thing. But yeah, yeah. That was. It it sucks that we'll never get like that full story. be told yeah all right next up sadly we have to talk about the end for now Mm -hmm. of strange academy number 18 so i got the a cover yes but i also picked up the b cover oh i almost did too this is already going for 20 dollars online really fuck yes i didn't know that i got told by a guy at sam (laughs) Ernest. nice He's like, oh, yeah, that one's going for like 20 bucks. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. I'm like, what? So, written by Scotty Young, drawn by Humberto Ramos, colored by Edgar Delgado, and lettered by Clayton Cowles. So, we're following up on the walkout. Everybody walks out, or almost everybody walks out of Strange Academy. Doyle doesn't, because he's great. And they're basically like protesting Calvin getting kicked out of school, which I'm kind of like, he, he kind of deserves it. <laughs> like, yeah, a little bit. He was basically dealing magic drugs, is basically what was happening. Um... But all of our kids that walked out, they're hiding out in the Sanctum Sanctorum post Doctor Strange dying, which is a great idea. They order pizza, put it on Doctor Strange's tab, which is great. <laughs> I can't wait for Clea to get that bill. Um, so, um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. And we find out what's going on. Doyle does a little more investigation. And I think this is a really cool, satisfactory way to tell this story without assassinating a character, I guess, basically, character-wise. Yeah. Um, that Emily's basically acting the way she is because Doyle gave her the ring that's part of his crown to help her contain things, but instead is drawing the dark magic to her and corrupting her. So it is his fault, but he's not the one who's going to do it. And so that that's kind of leads to the cool story. It leads to a big conflict. And then the resolution, which is our kids are going to go hide in the dark dimension, <laughs> which is not a good decision. <laughs> And we do get an announcement that they are coming back this uh, later on. They're bringing Strange Academy back, and it will be the same creative team, which is good. Good, they're yeah. Just, basically, basically, we're going to do a season two, which I thought was really great. And then, of course, our typical amazing info page for Strange Academy is the pizza bill, which I thought was a lot of fun. So, uh, what did you think of the resolution of Strange Academy Volume 1? Uh, no, it, it was really good. I mean, I, obviously, we've been loving this ride with these kids. And yeah, it was actually a very satisfactory uh, way to kind of cap it off here. So to, to kind of like know where our danger really lies, where it kind of came from. And that Duel isn't going to just like kind of like disappear and like be all gloomy. He is like part of the driving force to really kind of help this, like get, get his piece back to really help it all out again. Because um, I love him together. I love Doyle and, and Emily together. <laughs> 
Yeah, they're adorable. They're the best. So, <laughs> all right. Next up, Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty number two. Did you read this? Yes. He did. Of course, I, 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 also got, I also got the Peach Mimoco cover. So good. <laughs> I, 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 love what, I love how... It's not the last Peach Mimoco cover I got either. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, I love that the, like, this one and the Ghost Rider one have been just like full pages. Usually she kind of leaves like a, like a white backdrop on her covers. Right. But these have just been really full and really, really pretty. Elaborate backgrounds and mm-hmm. stuff, yeah. Uh, written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, art by Carmen Carnero, letter by Joe Caramagna, with coloring by Nolan Woodard. Uh, so basically, yeah, the, the Cap's radio buddies are breaking all these codes and he's stopping bad guys and stuff. And it's funny because we referred to this book as like the ground level Cap book, but then that just flips on its head <laughs> in this issue because he starts handling like planet wide threats and shit like that, which I thought was pretty fun. Um, and we get to see like a conspiracy behind the shield. Something's going on. I think it's really cool the way it's being like portrayed. But to me, obviously, the best part of this book is the last three pages. Because we get to see Bucky, first of all, with a man bun, looking great. Mm-hmm. Go to play cards with a mysterious dealer, and he reveals that it's Peggy Carter. Yo. I am here for this shit. <laughs> And we do know, thanks to our good friend Chris Franey, that the son of Rogers will start the Cold War or whatever it was. Uh-huh. And there's Peggy. Yeah. Did they have a baby and he doesn't know about it? Ooh. Oh, shit. We were wondering how that happened. Yeah, so. we were talking about the other son, but maybe. Yeah, right? So. Also, I just noticed uh, Bucky's vest has like the... It goes. It's, it's not. Like, it's not down the middle. It's like his. It's, it's like his. His vest, like his Bucky vest. Yeah, the overlap one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. God damn it, I love it. It's really cool. Lots of cool action in this one, and I just, I just like the. I mean, it's a really good issue. But how can I not focus on Peggy Carter? You know what I mean? I know. So. Well, what a fucking draw. Because because I I, for, I forgot how much I really enjoyed the first issue with uh with him making his team, but it's like all old war buddies, and they're still super right. fucking competent in like their fields. Um, so, so I love that that's still part of this. Um, and then even then, um, his, um, I like that it also came back to, uh, his art school friends. Like he was able to figure it out through, through them. And I was, I was hoping it would work out that way. Like they would stay the one line to piece it all together. And then Cap just goes to work. <laughs> like the giant fucking shield <laughs> rising. <up. laughs> this is getting ridiculous, but I love it. And they're in perfect uh, Cap fashion. Yeah, it's definitely this issue is definitely more Brubaker run than the first issue. Yes, because it's that it's that ground level plus ridiculousness combined. Uh-huh. Like, because that was literally like, oh, Cap, your best buddy's back from the dead. Also, there's bombs going off. Everybody's <laughs> dying. <laughs> like, I like that. So, I love it. It's, it feels very comfortable. So, uh, next up, Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor number two. Here's another Peach Momoko cover for Ooh, you. Oh, that's right. That was really pretty. I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, written by Torin Gronbeck, who's becoming one of my favorite Marvel writers, by the way. Nice. Has been really doing all the Valkyrie stuff and doing an amazing job. Uh, art by Michael Dowling, uh, colored by Jesus Bertov, and lettered by Joe Sabino. Uh, yeah, basically, you know, Asgard's under attack. And I love that uh, Jane is doing, like, the investigation, because she's really good at that. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Meanwhile, Runa is just like, runs face first into the fight which i adore because she's the best and yeah it's been really cool i love the use of enchantress i don't think she's used enough 
Yeah. You know, I think she's just an amazing character, and that's a lot of fun. And yeah, I like that it's not just a straightforward, we're attacking Asgard with all of our forces and we're going to crush it. There's like a thought behind it. And then we also get a little bit of tie into into Limbo, which was really interesting, including an appearance of Sim, which is interesting considering what's going on in New Mutants. But again, the whole Limbo has a unique relationship with the timeline. <laughs> it literally oh, okay. that happens. So it could be happening before or after or during or who knows. But um, I'm really enjoying it. I love, I, like I said, I love Torin writing the Valkyries. I always think that's just such a great combination. Uh, Runa is amazing. And yeah, I think it's really good. Um, I can't wait to see where we're going with this. And I love that it's timing well with the movie, obviously with her being a female Thor. So what did you think? Oh, I, I, I didn't read this one. Oh, I thought you read it. Okay, crap. Well, damn. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so there's that. Next up, quick check-in with Star Wars, Galactic Star Cruiser Halcyon Legacy. Uh, this is the one about the theme park experience, the story behind it. Written by Ethan Sachs, art by Will Sliney, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letter by Joe Sabino. I'm not going to talk too much about it. It is a it is a heist uh, starring Maz Kanata, Lando Calrissian, and Hondo Onaka. Ooh, okay. And basically, yeah, they, st- they steal some stuff from an imperial commander it's it's just a heist it's a lot of fun um but there's only one issue left of this and uh i'm curious to see where we're gonna go how we're gonna wrap it up because they're kind of checking in with all the different star wars eras with this book after that we're gonna swing over to the streets of new york we're gonna talk about some spidey books some eight-legged tales and we're gonna start with the finale of what if miles morales number five written by cody ziggler Pencil by Paco Medina, inked by Walden Wong, color by Chris Sotomayor, and letter by Corey Petit. This came very quickly after issue four, yeah, which is probably good because it erases the poor taste. Mm-hmm. Um, there are still a couple moments that I'm like, mm, but at least it's part of an ensemble group and not, yeah, not all the entire issue. And also, it's a little less cringy, I think, than last issue, but still a little cringy. You can definitely tell this uh, the voices through someone else, yeah. I thought this was really cool. All the all the miles against all the errands. Um, Blue Marvel Aaron, amazing. Oh, like, that when that popped up, I was like, oh shit, we're all fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really cool. Like a fun fight. Um, I still absolutely love the look of Wolverine Miles. Yeah, I think that the design is just the coolest. I think it looks really great. Like I was thinking, like, if anything, it should have been Miles Wolverine to have like all the slang talk. Is because how that Miles was brought up, or the times that that Miles was brought up in. Yeah, but I mean, I it, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> At least we're done with it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it was. A, I mean, overall, I enjoyed the series. Obviously, the Thor one had some issues, but it was a fun little five issue mini. And it did what it set out to do, which is show us some variant miles. You know, we're getting several of those right now. And I think it's because they're ending the Spider-Verse, so they want to get them out now. That's true. So, uh, but yeah, it was fine. Um, what do you think of the issue? Anything you want to add? I mean, yeah, it was a, a much better follow-up. Um, and I guess, I guess like, focusing on the, on, on the Thor miles, he did have a much like, tolerable uh, voice. I was like, the one that did bother me the most, that it's still, like, I wish they hadn't used it again, was... Uh, by Odin Spade is like the one I hated the most. So one of the ones I hated and it's like, Oh, there it is again. But uh, other than that, the, the blue marble reveal on Glaren was 
the scariest part because I fucking love Blue yeah. Marble and I was like, that's not fair. The one thing I will say about uh, Thor Miles that I really like, or Miles Thoralis as they've been called <laughs> online, um, I like the blonde tips of the hair. Okay, yeah. I think that's a cool design choice, mm-hmm. just personally. So, yeah. Makes them stand out a bit. So, yeah, good stuff. All right, next up, we're going to talk about the amazing Spider-Man number five, Josue. <laughs> Hellfire Gala. Oh, I love that suit. I, dude, I hope that's not just a Hellfire Gala suit. It's too cool. I think it is. <laughs> it's so, too cool of a suit to just wear it once. Written by Zeb Wells, penciled by John Romita Jr., inked by Scott Hanna, colored by Marcio Meniz, and lettered by Joe Caramanga. After the great movement the Tombstone had, <laughs> Peter actually gets a little bit of revenge. Not revenge, but he evens the score a bit. He makes sure, hey, I'm not your bitch, basically. <laughs> so I really like that. And I like that we're starting to see Peter reconnect. Come around. So we see him with May in this one, for instance. Oh, yeah. And make make that connection again. And so he's going to recover his life before we know what even happened, which is interesting. Even Felicia shaking him up a bit and just like, like kind of making him come back I, around. And I, I definitely wanted to talk about Felicia. Are we getting a tease of Peter and Felicia back together? I need to know how over Peter and MG are right now. It's just like... She has kids. <laughs> with who? <laughs> I know. I don't think they're her kids. I think she's a stepmom or something. So, even though the girl looks exactly like her. Just like her. And it, it, it has only been six months since, like, whatever happened. Yeah. Again, like, they were keep referencing between him and Ben. Did he reabsorb him? Who knows? I know. I, <laughs> But damn it. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to Peter and Felicia being back together. But I, I've always liked them best when they're not together. Like, I oh, okay. always like the idea of them being the one who got away but also i know I, it's not good for me kind of thing you know what i mean like yeah. I think that's cool so yeah but good stuff i'm enjoying it and that's the end of the first arc it looks like so yeah the next one's a big 900 so with like the big reveals yeah. hopefully hopefully <laughs> but yeah awesome all right and now we're gonna switch to the island of krakoa wait i had carnage oh yeah. That's why I forgot to tell me. Carnage, number four, right? Yes. What did, I, did, I did ask you if you, if you read it, so I, I, I yeah, guess... Yeah, but I forgot to when we were into the... Yeah, yeah me too. All right, go ahead and tell me about it. I got spoiled this, actually, online. So oh, really? Ahead. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, well, this sucks, but it's really, really, really cool. So, written by Ron B, uh, Francesco Mana on art, uh, DJ Lima on the color art, and Joe Sabino on the lettering. Uh, Wait, so- who's the artist? Uh, Francesco Mana. Okay. M A N N A. Yeah. Uh, so our detective, um, fucking a, uh, of course, uh, John the Shade. Uh, our de- detective Shade was just like steps away from catching uh Carnage and uh Squirrely fucking serial killer Neely. Uh, through this telescope that was gonna launch him into space. He was able to grab fucking Neely's ankle and they get shot up and Neely just like kind of kicks him off because he's just grabbing by his ankles and he just gets uh, gets just dropped and suspended and suspended fucking uh, space. He's just floating out there. But instead of dying, he does have a little bit of essence of the Carnage symbiote in him. In this case, it's supposed to be the essence of Cletus Cassidy is inside Neely. Uh, I'm sorry, in, inside Shade. 
and just keeping him company as he's drifting in space into the nothingness. Uh, meanwhile, Carnage is with Neely, and they go to again. Carnage has been like is on a new course of action, and he's gathering powers. He took Hydro Man's water powers. He took Spot's spot powers, and now he's in. Um, fuck, I'm, I'm gonna fuck this one up. Where the Dark Elves are from, uh, Svartalfheim. 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 Yeah, yeah. So they go there, and it's just desolate. And Neil's kind of like, "What the fuck are we doing here?" And he's like, "Oh, we're here to hunt." It's like Carnage in the Wild Hunt. Um, and you get a backstory. You get kind of like Malakith's backstory on like kind of where how he was brought up, and then the the story of um, Niaz, the wolf goddess, and how every every sixteen cycles, like she chases the moon. Uh, it has a litter of six, and then the Dark Elves have created this contest on, like, these six champions, and they go out and kind of have to go find their wolf from from the litter. And basically, only, only one returns, uh, hopefully one returns with the wolf, and that's kind of, like, their, their new champion. And you get to meet the cast on, like, the, these new Dark Elves that are going to go out into, into this hunt. Um, and, of course, they end up meeting Carnage. Um they end up meeting Carnage, and he's just, like, going through them. Neely's like, of course, fucking, oh, I hate this guy. I hate this, this serial killer. He's just complaining. And it's like, this is a waste of time. Like, uh, you said we were here to kill gods, and we're here hunting down some elf who's barely a challenge. <laughs> and so Carnage's like, you know what, motherfucker? Here, take this knife. Go out and find, like, the because uh, one of the champions is, like, this dude who had, like, a broken back, uh, who a recovering broken back. He only has, like, one arm. It's like, here, go take care of that guy. Um, and he's like, me? But I've never killed an elf before. And it's like, should barely be a challenge, right? He just basically uses his own words against them. Like, I love how Carnage just, like, treats them like shit. <laughs> uh, so, anyway. Uh, back to Shade. Somewhere between forever and eternity. Um, as he's... As he can't help but just listen to Cletus talk. Um, a portal opens. And he gets pulled through. And wouldn't you know it, it's... Uh, God damn it. It's, I fucking love this part. It's like, welcome, welcome, uh, Jonathan Shade to my parlor. I was wanting to say that. I'm Spiderling. Fucking enter, fucking sp- renew your vows, Peter Parker, MJ daughters, fucking Spiderling. Uh, but you, <laughs> but you can call me Pattern Maker. Um, and she references like, oh, I know, I know what you're thinking. You're probably expecting Moreland, but, uh, you kind of wandered a little too far off the edge. So you get her. Uh, but whatever the fuck, I just, she she kind of walks him through this whole thing and goes into like this kind of chapel, and they're like these like these red symbiote vines around, and she tells him it's like yo like you're actually gonna be important like um, something's gone really wrong here. Every time I try to pull, I start pulling pulling back. Every time I try to pull back to the web back together, uh, this is what I end up with, and it's like the carnage symbiote, um, and like I understand it all. I don't understand anything at all, but I know this. My spider sense tells me that a small part of destiny has fallen in the hands of a good man. In yours, John. And uh, um, and I'd be a fool to ignore it. So it's like, he is a good man. Obviously, the detective trying to stop Carnage, but right now he's been possessed by it. So I'm, I've been wondering what's, what's going to happen to him, if he is going to take the mantle of a Carnage or not. Um but the, the cliffhanger is basically kneeling, getting caught by like the one by the one armed uh, dark elf. But he doesn't matter. What matters is a spiderling is in a carnage book, thanks to Rom B. And I am so fucking happy. I thought she was going to be stuck in renew your vows and just and in Spider Verse, but that was coming to a close. But if this is her in the most six one six canonical way, and I'm all fucking for it. Yes, I was so happy about this. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. Awesome. And once again, we're going to keep saying it until the books disappear. Rest in peace, Deja Lima. Yeah. We don't know how many books we have left, but uh, what a loss, man. Yeah. So. <clears throat> All right. Now we're going to swing over to Krakoa. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about Sabretooth number five first. Hey, guess what? Peach Momoko cover. <laughs> Same. Yeah. But that was only because I could not say no to this one. Oh, that's amazing. It was such a dope fucking cover. It's insanity looking. It is. I love it. All right. And so you caught up on this, right? Oh, absolutely. Three, four, and five. Good. Okay. Written by Victor Lavelle, penciled by Leonard Kirk, Rain Brado coloring, Corey Petit lettering. Oh, man. Okay. So Victor enacts his whole plan. And basically, Victor is able to escape because Mystique and Destiny are the worst still. Um, and I love that basically the pit is not going to be a thing now. Yeah. It can't be <laughs> because it's, it's, it's fucked up. First of all, I was like, this motherfucker broke it. Nobody gets to be here now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so all the people in the pit are now having to team up to go after Sabretooth. And yes, when I say all the people in the pit, I don't just mean the five that were down there originally with, with Victor. It also includes... The triumphant yes. return of Nanny and Orphan Maker. Go fuck yourselves, Quiet Council. You can't keep a good woman down. Nanny is back, motherfuckers. And she is just amazing. I love her so much. And also Toad. <laughs> I probably forgot about Toad, too. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and literally, like, and Toad thinks he's hiding, but he's there. Like, and I'm like, yes. Fucking Orphan Maker, when he points at Melter, I know him. That's the Human Torch. <laughs> yeah exactly (laughs) i also love the bit where it's like um i'm trying to find the line it was like um oh they're making them all leave and doug is like uh they're like why don't we leave these behind it's like sabertooth change krakoa like any virus would the throne sits empty but i don't want to see what happens if toad or orphan maker sits in that (laughs) chair and i don't want to see the hell nanny would create (laughs) oh my god word word. (laughs) so uh, I also, again, once again, Nanny gets all the best lines in every comic she's in. Well, look who's too good to ride inside a giant cyst. Amazing. <laughs> and yeah, I'm very excited about this now. Um, and then, of course, we get a really great tease at the end of exactly what he's doing. And he uses a specific word. And I called it! That is one of my favorite things about Marvel, so we'll see where that goes. But man, what a great series this has been. I've really enjoyed this. Because you weren't here, what do you think about Third Eye's crime? Um wait, Third Eye being uh Make More Mutants. Right. What did he do again specifically? That was in four. He was he was frustrated that the whole like uh mutants just making babies and forgetting about them. Yeah. But what and was so his he, crime? I don't want to get into it too much, but yeah, it, it, okay, okay. he was opposed to them doing that as well. Oh, okay, saying. okay. And the Quiet Council's like, no, they should be able to just make babies. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Third Eye, basically. So, um, yeah, I, I love that because I've been wondering from the New Mutants book after what twenty plus almost thirty issues, I've been wondering where Magma's been this whole time, and she's been like in this book, and like I like that her appearance was in this book, and she's kind of like. Not okay. <laughs> or they're just kind of being influenced on like the saber tooth part. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, I, I was so happy that I fucking called uh, that we're getting a kind of an Exiles book. I called that shit like a long time ago from the pit, and it's like, yes, baby. Yeah, I love it. Ah, it's so good. All right, next up, the excellent number five. Back to back weeks for the excellent. Yeah, I got this cover. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, she looks great. I feel so bad for her. Yeah, written by Peter Milligan, art by Michael Allred, color by Laura Allred, and letter by Blambot or Nate Picos of Blambot. Well, um, first of all, we can confirm that um, Fluff is dead. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, he's very visibly dead. Very much. So that happened. But this book, this issue, has introduced my new favorite character in the series. <laughs> I actually adore her so much. And, uh, yeah, basically, again, we see the continuing conflict. Can I talk about how when they go into combat, for some reason, they're bringing Vivisector in his fucking little coffin thing? <laughs> He's still in it, yes. <laughs> they're like, oh, we better go into combat. Better bring the guy in critical condition who doesn't have a lower body for all intents and purposes. <laughs> Like, I love that he's still there for some reason, especially because his powers. It's not like he's like Professor X and can, like, yeah, do no. things from there. He's, <laughs> like, he's supposed to be agile and he's basically their Wolverine. Yeah, and he can't do anything. <laughs> he like, can't do anything. Um, I will say I'm very happy that the excellent got rid of their teleporter because he fucking sucked. Oh my god, he was character. too creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I also love the fact that, um, that Ty and uh, uh, Yugo Girl's daughter, I always forget her first name, um, they, that they basically broke up. <laughs> like, uh-huh. after, after the drama of the last issue, they just break up. I'm like, excellent. Love that. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. And then now the excellent have an actual competent teleporter. And it is, for I kind of hinted at my new favorite character, whose name is Toodle Pip. And I love it. <laughs> Toodle Pip is amazing. Um, this is the end of season one. Yes, yeah. I I mean, like I, I I'm glad that it's not over because I had I thought I had yeah. in the beginning it was like out of five it'll be a mini and it's like oh he's just gonna come back and like brush it up a bit and it just wasn't stopping and then it's like cool like he's 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 still running it as a show only now like we've seen a few comic books which like in DC like it was static but in this case it's 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 served its purpose being in seasons. Yeah, I'm curious to see where it goes. Um. They also mentioned that Venus de Milo just disappeared. Right. I've been wondering what's going on with Venus. The, the reference on, like, she just only disappeared that's like, yeah, we could bring her back still. Like, hell yes. Cause, like, it's cool, because I, I, I loved Venus de Milo. So. I, I, after, I, after reading the Omnibus earlier this year, and, like, now capping off the the, the sequel, the follow-up mini, uh, obviously, Zeitgeist is, is, is a piece of shit, and, but it's been really interesting, the fact that we've been getting him. It's, like, almost like we got our wish, but it's like, now it's like, I wish we just didn't have this book because of him. But <laughs> then so shitty. He's so bad. He's so fucking bad. But then on the, the other side of that coin is guy Smith. Like he was so cool. He was of the time in the, in ecstatics, but he's such, he's such like the old head here. And you just, you can feel it. it every time. Like, can we just give him a list of miles so he can have at least someone to be relevant with? <laughs> yeah. I don't want all the characters to eventually be on Krakoa in a non-all-red style or anything, uh-huh. but I would like the guy to be an actual X-Man. Oh, that'd be awesome. Really oh, for sure. Because yeah. I, I was curious, when I, I, going back going back to the, to the original Omnibus, um, it, 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 it was kind of a tragedy that Ecstatics ended right before House of X, because that would have been a cool dynamic to explore. 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Good stuff. And then our final book of the week, which Josue did not read. No. For shame. But I will. And uh, my final Peach Momoko cover of the week. Cool. (laughs) Legion of X3. Oh, that's a Peach cover? Oh my god, I need to find that. Yeah. Look at him. Look at Nightcrawler running away. (laughs) That's a Peach cover? Oh my god. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I must have that. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so, Legion of X three, damn it, written by Cy Spurrier, are drawn by John uh, Jean Bazodua, colored by Federico Blee, and lettered by Clayton Cowles. So, there's so much going on in this issue. Obviously, they're they're trying to nail down the Skinjacker switch. They're also trying to find the lost Irakoan God. Um, there's, it's just, it's so cool, and a lot's going on. So, I'm not going to be able to touch on all of it. The two main things for me here is the shit that Juggernaut is going through. Okay. Because he basically talks to Legion, who is his nephew, which is easier to forget. Yes. You know, that that's his real nephew. And Legion's, like, talking to him like, hey, you know, like, my dad sucks, basically. And he's like, he didn't want you on the Legion, or want you in the Legion. And he's like, yeah. He said, enjoy Paradise. That's why I invited you here. You've earned it. And he's just like, um, like, you know, that's, you know, sometimes he's like, I know that's smart. He's like, I kind of flustered. I told him I'd think about it. And I'm like, I love Kane so much. Like, I adore this character. Yeah. Like, he's just so good. And even going back to the, was it the Grant Morrison run of X-Men? He's amazing. Like, he's such a good, well-thought character. And there's also a great moment where Legion walks up to him. And he goes, Juggernaut? And he goes, he's crying. Juggernaut's crying with his back to him. He says, call me Kane Kid or Uncle or Unky C, whatever. <laughs> and he's like, like you know, he's like, I'm your uncle, basically. Yeah. And then uh, there's a moment later on where Legion calls him. He goes, uh, he basically tells him what's going on with the Legion, how it's working, why he's important. He goes, are you going to quit, Unky C? Oh. And I'm like, Ugh. Damn. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, God. Um, also, forget me not pops up, and he's like, "We checked the records." Blah blah. He's like, "Still think he belongs in jail, partner?" Juggernaut. Juggernaut goes, "Who are you?" <laughs> <laughs> it's never not funny. It's still the funniest thing ever. Um, and the other thing going on is where they're basically going through the dreamscape, and so we get to see first of all, Nightcrawler fully pirated out. Finally, yes, always amazing. And also, we start to see the appearance of. The Bamfs. <gasps> really? Which is very ominous. Okay. Considering the other books we've been reading. Uh-huh. Mortal X-Men. Remember the evil-looking nutcrawler surrounded by Bamfs on the chamber? Yes. Yes. Bug. That's terrifying. Uh, we also see a moment where the Zen, the girl from Eriko, mm-hmm. um, she's fighting a bunch of things, and he's just like, he's like, snap out of it. These are your fears. She's like, these are my fantasies. And then she kisses him. She kisses Nightcrawler. Oh, yes, I love it. Uh, and then so th- two of them in blindfold going through everything. Um, there's also a great moment where Pixie is getting overwhelmed by bad guys, and who saves her? But our boy Kane <laughs> comes charging through Dreamscape because the Juggernaut cannot be stopped. Oh. <laughs> And it's great because he's just like, he saves her, he gets her to a safe place, 
And then there's this moment where he's just like, you know, maybe I can persuade my brother I'm more than a wrecking ball with shoes. And she goes, uh, and looks behind him. Oh. <laughs> it's literally the path of destruction you love. She goes, yeah, <laughs> like, I love it. Um, and then the last revelation is they hear this scream in the dreamscape and they're like, what is that? Is that native life? Is Because they're talking about the BAMPs and it's like, oh my God. He goes, uh, uh, Nightcar goes, mind God, I think, I think that's Banshee. Oh, shit. Yeah. He's a literal Banshee, it looks like now. Oh, that is so cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's where we leave off. Dope. God, the X-Men are so good right now. It is really good. It's the best era of X-Books. I don't care what anyone says. It's the best era. So, um, that's it for the books. Josue, what else have you been reading? Uh, I was able to read... Uh, my other gay book I read this week was Bloom, which was so adorable. I've been reading uh, coming of gender books, uh, lesbian books, uh, characters uh, who are transitioning, but this is like my first book coming to all of these that is about um, male gay couple couples. And it was so fucking cute because <laughs> it's about this uh, uh, Ari who is like this like angsty little shit who like uh, his parents, uh, he's from a Greek descendant, uh, his parents own a bakery and he just wants to go, go, go away with, with his band. And he just like, he could care less about the bakery and enter Hector, this gentle, confident, gentle sweetheart who wants to be to nothing but a fucking baker. So obviously they cross paths and it is so fucking delightful. Uh, I highly recommend this book. It's called bloom. And it was, it, it was really, really good by first second. I've been reading a lot of first second books and man, they, they pump out some good, good stuff. Nice. Um, I have been watching mostly TV, so I've been reading a lot. Nice. But I'm almost done with Dune. Um, Ooh, cool. It's, it's been really good. Um, it's very dense. It's not the kind of thing I can just listen to and ignore. You have to yeah. pay attention to it. So it's it's hard to get through in that way, not in any kind of a quality statement. It just has to be paid attention to. And I've been watching a lot of TV because I've been sick. So I haven't mm-hmm. had a lot of time to just sit and listen to something. So um that, for the most part, I think is all I've really read, um, except for I did finish Sandman Volume 6, and I'm on to 7. Uh, so, oh, we'll nice. see what's going on. I haven't started yet. We just finished 6 last night. So, uh, But yeah, that's pretty much it. I- I've been reading. Anything else this way before we wrap it up? Uh, no. I'm pretty sure that was everything I read. Awesome. Well, those are the issues that we had this week. Make sure to check us out on Twitter. So, you can find me at WHI Podcast Keith. You can find our producer Liz at WHI Podcast Liz. And you can find Hostway at Hostway Reads Hostway. Um, you can find us there on Twitter, each one of us individually. You can find this show, We Have Issues, at WHI Podcast on Twitter. Um, follow us there. We announce when new episodes are out, which is every Saturday morning. We have a chain showing exactly which issues are being talked about. All the creators are tagged, everything on there. It's a really great way to keep up with what's going on. Plus, we like to retweet a lot of uh, comic news as well as the occasional political statement (laughs) 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 because we can't help ourselves. Um, Also, follow our other show, Jukebox Vertigo, at Jukebox Vertigo on Twitter. That's our musical show where we build a playlist. And uh, every week, we randomize a category, build a playlist based around it. And we have one ongoing playlist that is the summation of all our playlists so far. The last episode that was out is our Pride special, so make sure to check that out. We had a blast doing that. The next episode, which will be on Monday morning, 
is going to be the 27 Club, featuring all the artists who died at 27 years old. And we do have a couple guests, um, of course, returning Manda, because she always comes in, and uh, our good friend John from the former um, Geek Elite Media Group, who no longer is a thing. But uh, we, of course, are going to bring him and Jessica and all the others back as much as we possibly can. So um, very excited for that. And uh, hopefully it'll come out on Monday. Later that day on Twitch, you can join Josue for a listening party for that new group of songs on Twitch at Josue Plays Josue. Usually around 7 p.m. Pacific, right? You're muted. Sorry. Yeah, I I I tend to keep it at 7. Nice. So yeah, around seven, uh, we listen to the songs. I'm usually there moderating the chat and just have a really great time. Uh, so make sure to check that out as well. Um, other than that, keep an eye out on a uh, certain POV podcast network because we have a couple different things coming up on there. Me and Osue recorded a guest spot with another uh, show a while back uh, with Case Aiken that will be coming out very soon. <laughs> Uh, which I'm very, very excited about because we had a real good time talking to Case and J. Mike. Great dudes. And I also have another show coming out in about two weeks, so keep an eye out for that on Screen Snark. Very excited. Um, But other than that, that's everything that I needed to go over. And don't forget to backboard and box your new treasures, and we'll see you next week with a new batch of beautiful books. Stay safe and read more comics. (laughs) 